0: Any other apologies? Okay. Uh, declarations of interest?
1: Councillor Barker?
2: As a message to Councillor Chairman.
1: Councillor Dean? Yes, um, a personal interest in that my wife is uh, a volunteer and a member of the trustees of the Gardens of Easton Lodge, which <laughs> are on land owned by Land Securities at Leeson, or Easton Park. Thank you. Any other? declarations in which
0: case we'll move to item two which is minutes of the meeting uh, that we had last week and thank you very much to uh, Alistair and officers who have got these minutes out very quickly. Um, we have I believe in my paper copy we don't have all the submissions uh, Alistair you said but electronically they have all the submissions because you received two more this morning in terms of presentations made last week. Uh, we have got an action list. Uh, but you'll appreciate. Obviously it's been a very full week for officers and they will be getting back to follow up those actions uh, before the 11th of July when we have the Council meeting, so just bear with us on that. Otherwise are they a true record, those minutes? They are a true record and we duly signed. Thank you very much. We now go to uh, item 8, and I will ask officers to make
3: their presentation. adopted in 2005, so clearly there's been lots of government legislation and other issues that have come forward since then. So we do really need to get on and update that. Um, it will set out the spatial strategy for things like housing and employment, it. So it's important to have an up-to-date plan from that background. In terms of context, we can't just come up with any plan or policies that we want. We have to bear in mind that there's a context for all of this. Um, The government has what's called the National Planning Policy Framework. We've been doing a lot of work. We've had consultants and ourselves have been looking at a lot of um, transport studies, employment studies, retail, issues around gypsy and travellers. A whole ream of evidence-based studies have been undertaken to inform the plan, and those studies then help us shape the the up-to-date policies and proposals and again part of the assessment of the, the plan itself there's a sustainability appraisal and we also have to do a habitats regulation assessment so there's all these fo- formal statutory requirements to uh, bring forward a sound plan as well as taking on board the, uh, the context of national policy and, 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 and European policy for that matter the, we also have to take on board the needs and requirements and policies of neighbouring authorities actively and proactively demonstrate how we have engaged with neighbouring authorities so that they are uh, fully aware with the proposals that we've been taking forward and again there's been a lot of work uh, ongoing with, with that. I probably don't have to tell you most of this stuff but um, you know obviously we are very an attractive district, it's you know regularly comes out as being one of the top places in the country to live um, we've got a very rich natural and historic environment so clearly the plan wants to protect and enhance that so we'll be very conscious of taking that on board as we move forward. We're also very conscious of the fact that We are in what's called the London Stansted Cambridge Corridor. And again, that's something that's recognized by central government as a key driver for economic growth. Obviously, things like the location of Stansted Airport, and some of the developments, the bio uh, industries up in Cambridge, and obviously going right down into East London as well, the the growth around East London, that whole corridor is actually seen as a very important strategic um, network. We also bear in mind the fact that having having those sorts of things on a doorstep, that brings transport pressure. And I'm sure people are aware of the um, the breaking a fairly regular congestion you get on the M11 and A120. So again, the plan has to take that into account when it's looking at put new, you know, putting forward new proposals. Look at well, how can some of those things be, be existing issues be mitigated, and equally, high traffic, and then also how can it mitigate that as well? Although we're very rural and green, we don't actually have a lot of green belt. So we don't have, in terms of a greenbelt policy, a policy that some councils have in terms of saying, well, almost thou shalt not, this is greenbelt. So we have to bear that in mind, that we don't have a lot of greenbelt. We have policies to protect the countryside, but there's not much greenbelt in the district. Um, And again, the final bullet point there, recognising the fact that we do have intense sealing to meet its need, and it's clearly looking beyond the, the M25, and it's something that people here may or may not like, but we have to acknowledge it. So again, it's, it shows that we have a—it's you know, a very you know, interesting area, but it's a very complex planning environment that we work in as well. In terms of taking the plan forward, we've adopted um, a, a, a strategy that has a, a, a hierarchy of settlements, effectively. Um, what we are proposing are new garden villages, new garden communities, um, and then the growth. A, a significant part of the growth will be within those areas, but then there's also growth um, and identify the need for new homes and jobs and social and physical infrastructure. We've got uh, a district that has a lot of, you know, they say market towns and small villages where growth opportunities are limited. So inevitably, we have to look beyond the boundaries of those to actually take on board that that, that need. I've also mentioned, obviously, the strategic role of Stansted Airport, which you know is an international airport and. Um, you know, we can't we can't ignore the fact that um, there may be there may be growth there in the future too. Okay, th- thanks very
4: much, to Gordon. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and, and uh, members. Um, yes, forgive me, my, my my voice is a bit croaky, but um, I'll try and get through this as best I can. Yeah, Gordon's quite right in terms of setting the context and. Um, It's critical to say that, of course, the plan is about much more than the housing numbers. However, people do tend to hone and focus on them, so I'm going to run through what we're proposing in the plan uh, by way of allocations. The starting point is what's termed our objectively assessed need in the jargon, and that's based on the most recent population projections of 2014, which said our need was for 14,100 new homes between 2011 and 2033. We've been advised by the planning advisory service, the planning inspector and uh, QC's that that has to be the starting point for our local plan. So therefore it's um, no excuse for putting that in bold. The local plan therefore assumes a housing need of 14,100. So where are these new homes proposed? Well last year a hybrid distribution strategy was agreed at an extraordinary full council meeting and as Gordon hinted uh, it needs to take place in existing towns and villages and in one or more new settlements. It's not as simple as simply saying "No, ok, we've got to find a um, site for 14,100 new homes because the plan looks backwards to 2011 as well as forwards. So looking at the mass there, some about 2,500 homes have already been built and there's about 4,500 homes with planning permissions yet unbuilt. Um, we also have something called a windfall allowance, which makes um, allows sort of unexpected developments that come along. And um, we're estimating that that should be about 70 homes per annum. So if one tots all those figures up, we have a figure of about 8,000 homes already in the bag, if I can use that expression. So we don't, they're already there. We don't have to worry about allocating them. So what that leaves us with is a figure of just under 6,000 6, which we actually need to put forward as proposals in the plan. Uh, briefly skipping through these because they are all in the plan itself. Um, having worked through the sustainability appraisal, um, transport studies, the evidence base, we come up with the allocations you see on the screen there. But total in the existing towns of 983, in the six sorry six key villages uh, just over 200. And in the smaller villages, 44. So, again, rattling through the mass, that's the total allocation in the towns and villages of just over a thousand, which gives us a remainder of just over four and a half thousand, which we need to find somewhere. And so, the obvious place given the hybrid strategy which we agreed is in New Garden communities. When we say New, new- So, doesn't, it's not rocket science to work out, therefore, that our preferred strategy is for balanced growth at three new garden communities, Eastern Park, West Braintree and North Luthlesford. They have no absolute planning constraints or showstoppers. There is a geographical spread over the district, so there's one in the north and two in the south, and we've checked and we think there are realistic delivery rates there. Just running through... Um, some of the advantages, as we see it, of these proposals, Eastern Park, it's got excellent potential access to the airports, uh, a new junction proposed onto the A120, um, landscape buffers to separate existing communities, uh, and several already uh, proposals for green infrastructure, including a country park. West of Braintree. It's already been promoted by Braintree District in their Regulation 19 Local Plan, that's the next stage of consultation. Uh, It's got good access from the A120, three potential access points into the site. Uh, It allows us to comprehensively design the, the greater scheme as it were with Braintree District Council and there's access to facilities in Braintree itself. Finally, North Uttersford, it's in close proximity to the South Cambridgeshire employment opportunities, particularly the Biomed cluster, um, it's got a train station and walking and cycling links proposed to it. Uh, again, there's the opportunity to create high quality, sustainable settlements. Uh, there is uh, and the opportunity for access onto right next to junction 9 of the M11 and the landscape of proposed between the new community and Great Chesterfield. So, in terms of how many homes we're proposing each of these new communities, uh, this is within the planned period to 2033. Clearly, um, they will grow beyond the planned period if uh, obviously allocated and then granted consent. So, within the planned period, that is, uh, North Littlesford, uh, we're looking at 1,900 homes, Eastern part, 1,800, and a smaller figure in West of Braintree because that reflects the fact that we will be sharing. So we would be sharing provision with Braintree District as well. So the, the proportions are about two thirds of, the, of the size in Braintree, a third is in Uttlesford. So that figure of 970 reflects the respective proportions. It goes without saying that the policies for these um, gun communities do follow government city principles, which I referred to earlier. Uh, so they also include uh, all the facilities you see there in front of you, and will be subject um, to master planning.
3: Um, Now I'll hand back over to Gordon, sorry. (coughs) Thanks Richard. Um, As as we said at the beginning, because of the nature of the plan that we're dealing with, we've inevitably um, focused a lot on housing numbers and where the allocation is going to go. Um, But this slide just tries to highlight the fact that a local plan is is more than just about new housing. Um, it talks about how we are going to be generating lots of new jobs in the district over the next 15 20 years. We're talking about 14,000 new jobs coming through. Um, I've mentioned before already about the transport proposals that could be coming forward. Obviously, three major new settlements will require junction improvements and various other road improvements as well. Um, the infrastructure delivery plan that forms part of our evidence base looks at how we take forward schools and healthcare recognising the fact that sustainable growth will require all of those sorts of things. This is, a, this is a plan, not just about providing lots of new housing because you have, because you have a housing target. It's saying that if the housing has come forward, it must come forward in a way that provides a social physical infrastructure. And we also want to stress how it's a, it should be a design-led approach. Again, I touched on earlier about how attractive the district is and we're going to make it very clear that any new development coming forward should be of the highest quality. And um, garden communities will be looked upon as requiring uh, probably have a design charter as part of that as well. So there's that, going to be a really heavy emphasis on, on those sorts of things. I've stressed again about the importance of not just the local plan focusing on growth, but also having policies and proposals about protecting the existing built and natural environment. Um, and also things like the existing town centres, so you know, particularly say, places like Dunmore and Saffron Walden. Um, obviously there will be more people coming into the district, but more people will help, you know, bring more custom to the shops and services in the area and pubs and various other things like that. So again, in terms of the sustainability of existing towns and centres, then the, the new communities will help with that. We also have uh, a policy in there about mixing the type of housing, and we are retaining the. 40 percent affordable housing policy that we were proposing before. So again, important in terms of making sure that you know, particularly say young people growing up in the district actually have the opportunity to still retain themselves, you know, retain uh, a house in the district, and, uh, growing forward moving forward. So very briefly, the next stages um, after tonight, what happens tonight? Sorry, um, there's a cabinet meeting on the 6th of July where obviously the recommendations will go forward to Cabinet. Cabinet then will or will not approve the recommendations to full Council on the 11th of July uh, and on the assumption or the you know, presumption perhaps that Fuel Council does approve the document on the 11th of July there will be the formal what we call the Regulation 18 consultation starting on the 12th of July. Sorry, can
4: I just, oh, sorry. No, just, just, just to elaborate on the consultation point. Yes, and sorry to interrupt your flow, this will all be published on the website and it will be very, very clear how to make representations either online, by email, or or physically. So so we're hoping that we've made that process as simple as possible for people and it will be very clear. I just
3: wanted to to stress that. Thank you, good point. Um, So, yes, the consultation will go from the 12th of July to the 1st of September. Um, we had originally talked about the 29th of August, but we, because it falls the, a bank holiday falls within that period, we've taken a, a, a cautious view and said we'll go to the end of that week. So it'll be Friday, the 1st of September, will be the end of the, the consultation period. Moving forward, um, obviously this will depend in, to an extent on the scale and nature of the consultation responses that we get. But the plan at the minute is to have what we call the next stage, the Regulation 19 consult, the consultation, around December or January. And that's the one that we will be putting forward saying that we will be submitting this to the Secretary of State. So that's the, the formal one following the consultation responses that we get. Moving forward from there, we then have the you know, public inquiry. You know, it's technically called an examination hearing, but you know, what generally we refer to is the public inquiry. We reckon that that will be around about summer 2018. Um, with a fair wind, we would hope to get the inspector's report around about winter of 2018, around about the end of, of 2018, uh, with the planned full adoption of the plan in or around spring 2019. So that outlines the the, the key stages. Um, I think I'll hand back to the chairman now, and uh, we'll move forward. I suppose to the uh, speakers. Thank you.
0: Well thank you very much uh, Gordon and Richard and uh, thank you very much to the whole team who have prepared this 320 page Regulation 18 local plan set of recommendations. You may not uh, agree with everything that's in it uh, but it has been a comprehensive piece of work so I thank uh, officers for the diligence they have put into that. Okay, um, so uh, I'll let the timekeeper get back into his seat. Um, and um, the first speaker is Councillor Julie Redfern. Alistair, could you just put a chair to the end of the table? And I ask uh, Councillor <coughs> Gareth at the end of that table. Well, actually, I don't ask Gareth Bebbins because he's sitting right behind you. But going forward, I will have a sort of the following speaker at the table, so we can move on fairly swiftly. So,
5: Thank you Chairman. Um, I think it's very helpful to have a Regulation 18 consultation and not as we did before go straight to Regulation 19. This does give councillors and residents an opportunity to make meaningful comments and raise issues or bring forward further evidence. I also appreciate that there's a need for housing across our district, not least as Member for Housing here at Uttersford. There is a clear need for genuinely affordable housing, and in my opinion, some form of social rented homes should be part of our local plan. But as a member of Uttersford District Council, living and representing Great Chesterford, I have to raise my concerns over the inclusion of Great Chesterford Parish for the site of a new settlement. I do not come from a village of Nimbis. We have already worked with UDC and developers to bring forward additional housing during this plan period. In fact, we have built or have permission for new homes that give an increase of 27% to the existing village. To me, this proposal in the paper appears incomplete. I have seen no sustainability report, nothing to give me confidence that the roads around the village would be improved other than Junction 10, G11, <coughs> 505, and Roundabout. What about Great Chesterford, Ickleton, Hingston as we become rat runs to the motorway and stations? Where is the mitigation for Saffron Walden as the new residents file down Bridge Street? I have also heard the leader of South Campus District Council on the radio today saying that it's critical that the proposed mass development in this area should be properly thought out in this, he was not just talking about a new settlement here, but two new research institutes at Hingston Business Park, Pampersford Business Park, and a new service station at Duxford. He said that the transport infrastructure was not keeping up. This gives me great concern over our duty to cooperate. Why is he not confident? The idea of being completely urban from Great Chesterford to Cambridge fills me with horror. Our own reports show that the landscape and historic environment is highly sensitive. How will this be dealt with? I would suggest at the very least a much greater green buffer should be included between the existing village and the proposed new settlement site than the tiny 500 metres that Bidswells have suggested. We should also have a protected green space between the village and Stumps Cross. As this land is in the same ownership, it's within their gift to do this. At the moment, I see nothing from Bidwells on how these problems can be overcome, just another, that's something we need to mitigate. I still need to see and understand how or even if this can be done. I'm sure we will be told that this can be dealt with later, but that seems a real gamble to me at this point. My final point, it has been covered in this presentation, but I would like assurances that all the potential sites that they will be built on full garden principles and not a diluted development version, <coughs> and that the land value capture is secure so that the genuine community benefits, wherever these new villages are built, that's what residents of Uthersford should expect and the council should deliver. Dead
6: on time, thank you very much. Dead on time, thank you very much indeed.
0: Uh, Councillor three
7: really
0: sixteen that <laughs>
7: Sorry, i I've received countless emails from residents. They are both eloquent and factual in their concerns about your proposals. Let me relay just a few. They note that UDC continues to ignore concerns expressed by South Cambridgeshire District Council. Your officers have consistently indicated South Cam has been comfortable with your proposals. Councillor Peter Topping, leader of South Cam's district council, said last week, to date, the proposals do not appear to be supported by evidence that would satisfy me that the impact on South Cambridgeshire and its infrastructure would be manageable. How much clearer does Councillor Topping need to be? The UDC press release issued last week states that these proposals, proposed communities will be based on garden community principles. As you know full well, there is no such undertaking. The agents for the landowners have referred to this as an aspiration only. Indeed their proposals for the first days envisage 500 houses and a shop. That is the extent of the community facilities proposed. What you propose is a housing estate on the side of a hill without facilities or infrastructure, would you please confirm then, Mr. Chairman, for the record, that the proposed settlement will not go ahead unless it complies with all the Town and Country Planning Association Garden Community Principles. You have not fully addressed the issues of transport, duty to cooperate, landscape, water and environmental impact. We cannot square your assurance that UDC have carried out a detailed study in preparing these proposals when you admit that, There is ongoing work in the areas including traffic management, accessibility, environmental impact and water. The view from residents who have contacted me is that UDC have once again failed in producing an evidence-based plan. What has changed since October last year when the previous plan was paused? We obtained, through a Freedom of Information request, a copy of the media pack that UDC gave out and then withdrew in October. This meeting should note that UDC refused to disclose this and we had to follow the appeals process to get hold of it. That pack made no mention of a site in Great Chesterford. Please confirm what has changed. Has UDC spent the last eight months finding a way to include Great Chesterford to make it politically palatable to its members? If not, what are all the precise reasons for the original non-inclusion of Great Chesterford and its
0: inclusion now? Thank you. Uh, Thank you, well within time. I would just make uh, two comments that apply to the whole plan. Um, Obviously, uh, as Councillor Redfern laid out, uh, there is uh, an iterative development of of evidence um, that the community will want to see, that officers will want to see, that councillors will want to see before they make any Regulation 19 recommendation. But I guess, almost uh, most important of all, is that the the inspector will want to see. So if the inspector is not satisfied, uh, and um, he after all she uh, is is the representative of uh, the government's uh, planning um, uh, team, uh, then it won't go ahead as it didn't go ahead in um, December 2014. Uh, The second point I'd make, generic to all the settlements, is that the project plan is fundamental, and again, that, that same—I won't repeat the list of people—but we want to be very clear at what stage in the development uh, of a new settlement uh, is, is the infrastructure in place, is the school in place, is the shop in place? Uh, so that is absolutely critical to being able to build a thriving community. Uh, Councillor David Hall, and then uh, Mrs. Maura Tom.
8: In April 2016, following um, its call for sites, uh, Chester Parish Council commented on UDC's assessment and we said, and I quote, given the size of the proposed settlement, the adverse impact on the B184, the M11, A11 and all surrounding roads will be very significant. There is no reasonable basis in UDC's suitability conclusion to to claim that there is good access to the strategic road network. Yet here we are, 15 months later, and despite repeated requests from the Parish Council uh, without any residual traffic impact assessment. That much was confirmed at last week's um, um, PPWG meeting, when in response to my question, Mr Gregory of YSG stated, and this is in the minute, at this stage of the local plan work has not occurred at such a high level of detail to anticipate traffic growth and mitigation measures on the B184. I said in my own comments to PPWG last week that, quote, it is clear that the viability of Great Chestwood is based almost entirely on the wholly speculative premise that walking, cycling and availability of enhanced bus and rail services can replace car use to such an extent that the existing road network, in particular the B184, can cope with the additional traffic that the settlement would generate for Saffron, Walden and elsewhere. Unquote. The absence of any detailed transport assessment relating to the Chesterfield settlement is itself sufficient to torpedo the draft plan for you. Worse still, UDC's economic viability study, whilst concluding in relation to Chesterfield that the site is financially viable and therefore able to deliver over the local plan period, and that the proposal will meet all primary road infrastructure requirements, is subject to the specific major qualification, and I quote, that a full transport assessment would be required, i.e., standard requirement for larger schemes like this. Unquote. There being no detailed local transport assessment for the Chesapeake site, it follows that no assurances to its economic viability yet exists either. It is for these and other reasons set out in the parish council letter dated 5th June 2017 to you, Chairman that uh, PPWG and UDC were requested to reject Chesterford as a site for further consideration and to exclude the settlement from the draft plan. If, despite these repeated warnings, UDC proceeds to include Great Chesterford in its plan, it will fail on these grounds alone before the planning inspector next spring. And that will remain the position unless these and all other fundamental issues identified by the parish Council Properly and fully addressed in any final plan that is submitted.
0: Thank you. And thank you very much. I thank all the speakers for uh, staying within time. Uh, obviously, um, you were at. Planning Policy Working Group, and I take your point to some of the road references you made, but uh, there was a thousand pages of transport study uh, and a huge focus on the impact on Southcams and the recommendations, and this is then repeated in this uh, document here this evening. Um,
9: I'm speaking simply as a resident of Great Chesterford. I don't have the planning expertise or knowledge of the previous speakers, but three points occurred to me as I was reading through the document and I'd like you to note them, please. Um, the first is that, as has already been said, the argument for the North Uttlesford Garden Village depends to a great extent on improved infrastructure, particularly transport infra- infrastructure. There seems to be no guarantee that this will be achieved in full. In paragraph 362, you, have pro- you propose undertaking a considerable proportion of this development without such a guarantee, albeit capped at 3,300 homes. Given, incidentally, that it was said in the presentation that 3,000 homes is not a sustainable garden village, I just wondered what is your vision for this community pending such infrastructure improvements, or indeed if they do not materialise. My second point uh, was, I'm sure you can answer this, there is no fallback position in this document. do you have one apart from mitigation? And if not, what does that say about the status of the consultation process? My third point um, is a slightly wry observation uh, that the document places emphasis on access to nature, sensitive landscaping, etc. Would you kindly note that these terms are offensive to country dwellers when we're faced with the loss of our habitat?
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, just uh, picking up the point you referred to about just over 3,000, um, the um, <coughs> consultant who looked at uh, highways made the point uh, that um, no permission should be given beyond that figure unless the 505 was dual carriageway from the M11 to the Abington roundabout. Um, I think that's, that's the point. So. Um, I think it's worth um, setting the whole thing in context. Uh, We live uh, between the phenomena of Cambridge and the phenomena of London. It is the the research capital of this country, probably, of Europe, Um, and it is is generating work that is crucial both to the economy and to the quality of our lives. Uh, I think this is widely recognised, the um, London Staten Cambridge uh, corridor is is of the essence. So we need to put the whole context of the Wellcome Trust, what's going on in Cambridge, what's going on at uh, the various research parks around, what's going to go on at Harlow, into that whole mix of uh, employment and uh, research excellence. Fall, fall, fall back. This is a set of recommendations, it's, it's it's not sort of either or at this stage, this is what planners believe to be the best option. Thank you. Um,
10: Ken Macdonald. Good evening, my name is Ken Macdonald, I'm a Chartered Accountant and I've lived in Nuttleship for 36 years. I've been commenting regularly on this local plan process for more than 18 months. Although there is no evidence that my input has ever been heeded, I would not give up. I would attempt to alert this committee and the public to just seven of the many shortcomings in the Regulation 18 draft. Firstly, may I ask who this plan is for? Paragraph, Paragraph 3.31 perhaps provides the answer. Growth which supports the economic ambitions of the London stansted cambridge corridor This is an unelected pressure group, partly funded by Stansted Airport. What about the people who live here? What about the people who elected you to represent them? Second point, perhaps pressure from the LSCC has led to the plan for 100 acres of airport land off Berry Lodge Lane to be reclassified to potentially allow a giant warehouse complex. I don't think this was allowed for in the transport study you adopted last week a study which identified serious challenges to traffic flow on the A120, Junction 8 of the M11 and through Stanstead Mount Fidget. These are likely to be the very routes that serve this site. Thirdly, the majority of jobs growth is forecast to be at Stansted Airport. Even if that were to be achieved, evidence shows that the vast majority of airport workers come from outside Uttersford. Fourth, the jobs forecast includes nothing in the proposed garden communities. Yet one of the garden community principles is that there should be at least one job per new household. Fifth point. Have you read pages 289 to 291, the garden community principles? Compare these with what is proposed in the plan. So many of the principles seem to be either out of reach or not to have been understood. I think the draft plan needs to address this to show that Utterswood really is taking the concept seriously. Sixth point. I've consistently claimed that the housing need is grossly overstated and that Uttersford's allocation lacks audit trail. Paragraph 4.18 refers to a 10% uplift in the forecast need, but was it not actually set at 20%? We still don't know how the apparent need for Uttersford to grow faster than almost anywhere in the country has been calculated. Seventh and final point, at least for today. I've warned against signing a memorandum of understanding that commits Huttlesford to much faster growth than the other three districts covered by the strategic housing market assessment, the SHMA. Paragraph 3.44 refers to a memorandum of understanding being under preparation, yet this was actually signed by Councillor Barker in March. What else can we not believe? How can you be funded? how can you be comfortable with this draft? Whilst the veneer. It appears nice and glossy. The foundations and building blocks look decidedly shaky.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Um, just, just to make absolutely clear, I, I think offices did at the beginning. This is this is of a plan off the back of LSCC, which, as you rightly say, is not an elected body anyway. Um, but uh, it is a it is a plan because we have to produce a plan. Every planning authority has to do that, um, and uh, the, the the numbers. You have uh, you referred to you have mentioned this point a lot of times. And uh, officers will back me up uh, when I say that I have repeatedly asked officers to go back again and again and again to look at the numbers. We, we, we've, we've taken your points most seriously. Uh, we have had them, them examined by independent inspectors. There was recent reference at the East Hearts examination that we must use the 2014 uh, numbers. We've had them referenced to a QC. Um, so we have strong confidence that was one of the the things that was raised the last time in the uh, December 2014 plan, that the inspector wanted uh, a greater number and our point then was we don't need to play games guessing what the number is and we have had a very very clear steer from government on the numbers but as I say the plan is because we have to and probably quite rightly should produce a plan for the shape and uh, and everything else of our our district Thank you Um, Mm Councillor Sandy Merrifield uh, and then um, John Evans might like to come and sit alongside.
11: (coughs) Stemming parish council are disappointed to say the least but not at all surprised that Andersfield and Boxedwood have been put into the section 18 draft local plan. From the outset of the call for sites and first consultation it has been obvious that Andersfield and Boxedwood were the favourites on the favourites list, or as it suddenly and suspiciously became West of Braintree. We believe that UDC has cynically used the West of Braintree name, termed originally by Braintree District Council, to distract and misinform Stebbing residents about their future plans to bring a new town right into the parish of Stebbing and change the rural nature of our community forever. We consider that last week's PPWG was a charade and that was unfortunately perpetuated by the lack of attendance of the majority of its members. We asked ourselves was this perhaps because they were showing a disinterest and a lack of care, which I doubt. Um, they obviously knew that the draft 18 document had been produced and there was possibly no need to hear the statements from various challengers because they would make no difference. Last week's largesse by the chairman to the public contributors was another obvious patronising cynical decision to make it obvious to the inspector that there has been consultation with interested parties. Unfortunately up to now we doubt if one comment has been listened to and acted upon. Last week Councillor Goodwin was told she was wrong about her interpretation and understanding of the preferred option in the June 2017 addendum transport report. We had a piece of paper waved in our faces to prove the presenter was right. Setting Parish Council for the presentation was cherry-picked to present the wanted scenarios, whereas to read it presents ambiguity, from reading and sections 5, 2, 13, 14, and 16 as examples. Leading up to the to and from the start of this LDP, Uttlesford District Council has been involved in the Schmar with Forest, Harlow and East Hearts. And where do they find themselves now? In cooperation with Braintree District Council. The evidence of this cooperation is sparse, and Stebbing Parish Council question whether Brinkley District Council's plan will reach fruition for many reasons, such as infrastructure funding. Also, Stebbing Parish Council strongly questions the coalescence of UDC and BDC and the potentiality of problems created for the residents of the new settlement and of the wider Stebbing community. I would refer you back to the open letter that Stebbing Parish Council sent before last week's PPWG and we trust and hope that if this local draft local plan goes forward that it stands up to scrutiny. Let me assure you Stebbing Parish Council will fight the disproportionate loss of this best and most versatile agricultural land and I'm quoting a planning, which planning application from this plan. The potential permanent damage and even loss of floodwood. I'm just going to finish.
0: I, I'm sorry. I, I have to ask you to finish, otherwise I'm not being fair to everybody else. Thank you. Mr Thank Evans you. and then Dr Graham Mott.
12: On behalf of the Stebbing Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, I brought to the attention of PPWG at their last two meetings the significance of the Stebbing Landscape Assessment and Appraisal prepared by the Landscape Partnership. It had been expected by us, with justification, that this appraisal would have been considered by the officers of UDC prior to the conclusion of the Regulation 18 draft local plan. Such consideration was requested by us, but that request has been ignored. No explanation has been given. No reference to the appraisal was made in the report of Chris Blanford Associates, which now serves in the draft plan as the basis of applicable landscape issues affecting Stebbing. For the reasons I stated last week, the Blanford report is deficient and falls to be struck down. It will, of course, be the subject of vigorous challenge at the draft plan consultation stage. The draft plan was released by UDC after close of business last Friday evening, less than 24 hours after conclusion of the last PPWG meeting. It is obvious, given its length, appendices, and complexity, that it was written weeks, if not months, prior to its release. Its release in this fashion can only be described as being in cynical disregard of the views of the residents of Uttlesford, as well as the attendees of these meetings. It appears to me that UDC's officers and the members of this working group had already made up their minds as to the justifications of the proposed garden communities in the so-called area west of Braintree a very long time ago. This e-day feats, there's no intellectual or other justice to any of the officers of UDC, nor with respect to the members of this working group, when its basis has not taken into due account fundamental matters such as landscape issues affecting the parish of Stebbing, quite apart from other general issues too, as to which I'm not speaking this evening. They are, however, reserved. Landscape sensitivity matters are very close indeed to the hearts and minds of the residents of Stebbing. As is apparent from their responses in this respect, to the neighbourhood plan questionnaire which I quoted last week. The residents of Sebing could be forgiven for asking, what is the point of communicating with UDC and sharing with it the landscape of capacity appraisal when it is utterly ignored by UDC? Why have our own views been ignored too? No justifiable answers can be given by UDC to these questions and regrettably what has to be said is that UDC has not met its own standards for consultation in respect of the landscape appraisal affecting Sebbing, as set out in its statements of community involvement, reliance must also be had to the findings of the ECOM report and the North Essex Authority Sustainability Appraisal, to which I have referred at prior PPWG meetings, but have to date been ignored by UDC. The recommendations in the current draft plan to a garden community west of Braintree are perverse, unsound, and without sustainable evidentiary support.
0: Thank you. Thank you. (coughs) Dr Graham Mott, followed by Michael Young.
12: Mr
6: Chairman, I address you as a member of Elson and Parish Council. I should like to speak on the allocation to Elson of 40 new dwellings at the Roche Lane. I refer to the page number 28 in the white on green of the draft Regulation 18 plan, Table 3.5. That's page 38 of the continuous numbers. The total dwellings 2011 to 2033 in the right hand column of table 3.5 show that the key villages fall into two groups. Those with a large number, Elsinum 641, Census Mount Fitch 594, and Takeley 652, and those with a much smaller number, Great Chesterford 133, Newport 293, and Thraxted 223, to which should be added Hatfield Heath with none at all. At a public meeting at Stunsted Mount pictured in November 2015, you said, sir, that of course allowance would be made for all allocations since 2011. Councillor Susan Barker observed at a full council meeting in July 2016 that communities such as Elston and Taitley had already taken their fair share and that this should be taken into account when the local plan strategy was being agreed. As we all know, sir, a leading reason for the rejection of the previous local plan was the wholly unsuitable nature of the road links to Elsinam. And the same conclusion was reached by a second inspector and confirmed by the Secretary of State when rejecting Fairfield's appeal. The inspector's judgments suggest that the Elsinam road network is inadequate for already committed developments. Thus I contend that further developments of any size are unsustainable. A year ago, sir, I addressed this working group on the subject of the Countryside Protection Zone around Stansted Airport. It appears from close examination of map J that the Rush Lane site has now been made available for development through the simple expedient of changing the boundary of the CPZ. I know of no proposal to authorise this and another change and I am not aware of any contact with interested parties. My understanding is that one of the objects of this process is a clear audit trail and transparency in decision making. To conclude, when this replacement plan goes before an inspector, one obvious question will be what new housing is proposed for Elson. It would help greatly if the answer was none at all. Rather than an allocation which is objectionable on the grounds, both that policy has been amended in order to include it and that Elston has already been favoured with a disproportionately large amount of new housing which, in the inspector's words, cannot overcome the connectivity disadvantages of its location. Mr Chairman, sir, I feel the bill is about to be, and I thank you and the working group for your attention.
0: Thank you very much indeed. <coughs>
13: I'm sorry?
6: I the
0: Yeah, dead on. Thank you. Michael like Young followed by Mr. Tung. Thank
14: you. My name
15: is Mike Young. I live in Wimbish and speak in a personal capacity. I'm also a chartered accountant. Work on the local plan began in 2006, 11 years ago. Constant delays have meant that the number of houses required increased each year. Five years ago we would have been talking about 300 homes a year, rather than the current figure of over 600. But building in the district continued at a fast pace. Over the last 15 years, Utterswood has built proportionally more houses than almost any other district outside of London, rivaled only by Corby and North Keynes. Now the district is proposing to continue that trend, over the next 15 years, it is proposed that Uttersford remain one of the fastest expanding districts in the country. Over the period as a whole, we leave the others behind. We leave everyone behind. Of course, it can be argued that an attractive area will attract development. But the same can be said about our neighbouring authorities. And yet, their projected growth rates are much lower than Uttersford's. Why should Uttersford's be so much higher? We need a clear explanation as to why our district's expansion is to be 50% higher than our neighbours. But some of us feel the figures are too high. Over the last 18 months, a colleague, Ken McDonald and I, have continually raised questions about the figures. We have never received satisfactory answers. After 18 months, we are still asking the same questions. I'll give one example. After the figures are calculated, a petition is made for what are termed market signals. This has resulted in an uplift of 20%. But I can find no valid justification for this. A figure of 10% would seem more appropriate. And the effect would be to remove the need for one of the three garden settlements. This is just one of the many queries we have raised without satisfactory response. Appointments are not questioned, not challenged and not refuted. They are simply ignored. Freedom of information requests are refused, although other neighbouring authorities have been more helpful. Or just ignored. I have too overdue at the moment. Recently, following advice from consultants, the housing figure was increased. But again, no details were given. And as always, no one can explain the calculation. Actually, the latest independent consultants and the expert from the planning advisory service said said they couldn't follow the figures or certainly couldn't follow the allocation to Uttersford. That is a fact. I would ask that before the planning process continues any further, that the Council fully satisfies itself that the massive growth projections being put forward are fully
0: justified. Thank you, Mr. Young. Uh, Mr. Tongue, followed by Martin Herbert.
16: Good evening, I'm the chairman of the uh Division Avenue Residents Group and wish to talk about the proposal housing allocations 1420s to Vidal Avenue. We first learned of the Atlas District Council's intention of selling the land to riding in 2014. Local residents value the wildlife haven so much that they stopped working going on to the land to clear it. This led to the formation of the Residents group. In 2014, representatives of the group of the meeting with Councillor Rolfe, in which we made plain the whole wildlife area, should be saved. Uh, last month, three of the group attended the meeting with Councillor Rolfe and Mr Harbour, at which Councillor M- Rolfe made emphasis about alleged rat problems on this land. We corrected him in as any problems were minor and dealt with by the residents, myself included. This was borne out by the pest control that when to deal with the rats only catching mice, which goes to show what back problem it was, to be mineral and no difference to the rest of the country. We were informed that the land would be sold to Ridgings, but they would leave a buffer strip of land between us and the new development, which they offered to give to every house that backs onto the site. We told them we would only be happy if the strip to the top of the hill was left, so at least we could save some area of the water life. For the wildlife that lives on the land. On the 25th of May at the Cabinet meeting, this land was on the agenda for sale. Council of Rolf debate again, stated there was a rat problem with the land, but not a thing mentioned in reference to wildlife or past objections or a petition that we collected and handed into the Council meeting in 2014. It was good to a vote, and surprise, surprise, it was great to sell. Councillor Light did raise an objection to the sale of the land on behalf of all residents of Saffron Walden that the wildlife area should be kept as it is. The comment was made by the Chairman that most of the residents even knew the land exists. The press action we took in 2014 brought welcome support from all the residents of Saffron Walden and also a far greater area, so I would say a large number indeed know about it. Councillors, you don't need this site to make your housing requirement. It's simply optimistic money-making. Let me refer you you to policy EN8 in your draft plan. It's called Protecting the Natural Environment and States. The Council will seek to optimise conditions for wildlife and habitats to improve the biodiversity and tackle habitat loss and fragmentation. I urge you to practice what you preach in that policy and take this unnecessary housing education out of the plan. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Mr. Herbert, followed by Mr. Peter Saunders.
17: Thank you. I'm speaking on behalf of Galliard Homes, which is one of the two principal controllers of land at the proposed of Braintree location for a garden community. In fact, this evening, Robert Putnam, who is the other main controller of land, who unfortunately can't be here, also wishes to be associated with these comments. The two who have been working together cooperatively on the vision for some time and will continue to do so. We are very pleased to see that the Council has continued to make garden communities one of the cornerstones of its delivery of new housing through the local plan. We support the confirmation in the draft plan at west of Braintree as a proposed location and confirm our ability to deliver homes with infrastructure in a viable manner in accordance with the principles the Council has set out. We will continue to engage with the Council, its consultants and local communities to ensure this new place is of the highest quality with supporting infrastructure delivered when it is needed. We also work to ensure impact on the local area is minimised and that residents of existing communities will feel that they are benefiting from this new way of looking at housing delivery and not just being asked to put up with only negative impacts. We have met with representatives of the nearby communities and we hope we will continue to have that opportunity. At Stebbin Green, for example, we are aware of residents' principal concerns and have offered to work with him to look at not only mitigation measures, but most importantly community benefit opportunities that could be included in a future more detailed master plan.
1: We will also be doing all we
17: can to support this joint voluntary office provision, as it is described in the draft plan, as this will be a superb example of cooperative cross-border initiative. Not just cooperation for the sake of it and to tick a box but to deliver new homes and supporting community infrastructure that would really make a difference. It is excellent that in a future master plan, the fact that an administrative boundary crosses the site should be of little consequence. The landowners are the same on both sides, and including land in Utterswood, will enable the whole community to be better planned, with a higher quality environment, more open space, with better access to the main road network, served by more efficient infrastructure, that can be provided soon.
6: Thank you. Thank
0: you. <coughs> Mr. Saunders, followed by Councillor Chris Audrey. Come up, Chris, if
14: well, Thank you, Chairman. I'm from Stop Stansted Expansion, and uh, our main concern is with the wording of Objective 2C of the draft local plan, which refers to accommodating development of Stansted by. Utilising the full capacity of the existing runway. Now we believe, looking at paragraph 3.77 of the draft, that by full capacity, what is meant is the present cap of 35 million passenger movements a year. But there are quite a few people who who think it refers not just to that 35. Million passenger movements, but to the 44.5 million set out in the recent correspondence with the airport about the scoping report to be submitted by the airport. And we believe that to dispel any misunderstanding, to avoid any doubt, it's essential to amend the full capacity of the existing runway, which is unqualified, unspecified, uh, amend that to the full 35 million passenger movements approved capacity of the existing runway. So, that it is absolutely clear that it's the 35 that's referred to and not the 44.5. If, however, the, the planners don't wish to make that modification uh, and they want to retain some sort of ambiguity by which the uh, existing, um, so by which the full capacity could be defined either as 35 or as 44.5, um, then we must take the strongest objection to that. It w- that would be premature, we think, but it would be a- completely unacceptable if the Council were to give the green light to 44.5 before it had even seen an environmental impact assessment. Now that's our primary concern. We do have other concerns, we'll be addressing the Council about it. This evening we want to concentrate simply on this one issue because we think it's such an important issue for the avoidance of doubt to get it absolutely clear it's 35 that they have in mind, that you have in mind and not 44.5. Thank you.
0: Thank you, and uh, I think there will be a set of words put forward later that uh, ho- hopefully take account of your comments. As you rightly say, the uh, permissive development as it currently stands is 35 million passengers per annum. Thank you. Councillor Chris Altruth, followed by Councillor Andy Dodsley.
18: So the worst kept secret in Uttersford is finally out. Eastern Park is to be included in the new Uttersford Local Plan. I say worst kept secret because it was obvious from day one that Eastern Park was always going to be included. As the saying goes, my mind is made up, don't confuse me with facts. Fact, the original land securities plan had the first phase of development directly on top of the SRC quarry which is active until 2032. When this was pointed out to land securities, they just moved it to the other side of the site directly alongside the listed gardens of Eastern Lodge and the village of Little Eastern. In fact, a previous application by land securities for 700 houses almost on the same site was rejected as unsustainable by UDC and then also on appeal following a public inquiry. Yes, yet Eastern Park for 1,800 houses in this planned period is deemed acceptable. Fact, the Fleet Eastern Conservation Area, directly alongside the planned development, wasn't even mentioned by the developer or UDC and conveniently missed from all the planned documents, despite being told on numerous occasions by me and others that it was missing. It was finally included at the PPW meeting last week after the heritage assessment had been done and the proposal had been drafted. Fact, UDC's transport assessment dismissed taking and Chelmer Mead as unsuitable as they would require a new access onto the A120. In fact, the infrastructure delivery plan commissioned by UDC from Troy Planning, dated May 17, clearly says when referring to Eastern Park, a minimum of two accesses will be required and unless an additional access point onto the strategic highway network can be identified and delivered, access to Eastern Park is a risk to steam delivery. Park Road in Middle Eastern has already been excluded as a vehicle access. When questioned, the officer from Essex Highways and Mr Fox from UTC both stated there will be just one existing vehicle access and they will, quote, monitor the situation. The 1800 houses proposed in the next planned period and their deliverability will make it a non-sustainable, isolated settlement in addition to the 10,000 houses at Eastern Park, there are a further 3,000 houses in the new local plan, already with planning permission, but still to be built in Great Dunmo. Dunmo will more than triple in size and create an urban sprawl from Dunmo to Little Canfield, Tate and on to Bishop and change the character and appearance of the whole area <coughs> forever. That will be your legacy as councillors if Eastern Park is included in the new UDC local plan and passed by the inspector.
0: Thank you. And finally, mm-hmm.
19: Councillor Andy Dodsley. Good evening, I'm Councillor Andy Dodsley from Little Eastern Parish Council. The draft local plan published last Friday had clearly been written and completed prior to last Thursday night's meeting. It was interesting, very few councillors were present and no residents from the discounted sites attended. They clearly saw no need. The three recommended sites have been the preferred options for many months and each piece of evidence has been nicely tailored to fit the required outcomes. The transport study presentation even went as far as to recommend these three sites for development rather than, as it should have done, just present the impact of each scenario for consideration by the committee alongside a host of other evidence. The Taitley site right next to the A120 and adjacent to existing development was dismissed because building a new junction onto the A120 might be, and I quote, challenging to deliver. Now I was going to make a point there that there was no junction improvements for the eastern park site but i'm absolutely gobsmacked because um, there's been a total u-turn since last thursday where we were repeatedly told there will be no changes to the eastern park junction and here tonight i hear that there is going to be a new junction that was a huge surprise i've got no reassurance where the evidence is to confirm that the development of two major sites along the A120 corridor, 20,000 new houses, yes 20,000 new houses and an additional 6,000 car journeys at peak time will not totally overwhelm our road network and bring the area grinding to a halt. I asked a number of questions at last week's meeting as to why a fundamentally different approach was taken to Eastern Park in the Heritage Impact Assessments. These couldn't be answered and action was taken by Mr. Fox to respond to my questions. Could you please confirm when I'm going to receive answers to those questions? These are items of evidence in the plan. The draft local plan states that proposals should demonstrate (coughs) how they respond to the landscape, the environment and historic assets. Can you please detail where and how the current land securities proposal demonstrates a response to any of these items. At the meeting last week, it was stated that there was further input and clarification available from land securities on their proposal. Can you please confirm whether this has now been received, whether it has been made available to the public, and if not, when it will be. The Eastern Parish determined to preserve our heritage for future generations as things stand a historic Deer Park will be concreted over. You're the caretakers of our district, and what you do now will affect this area long after you're gone. Thank you. Um,
0: A a request to all our speakers to submit um, your presentations so that they will be uh, not only included in the minutes, but obviously given the further consideration that they deserve. I would just comment on the numbers. Obviously, the number you quoted, 20,000. At uh, the sort of plan rate uh, that was indicated earlier, uh, would not happen until about 2055, maybe 2060. Um, so, uh, I mean, we'd probably have had two further local plan periods by that time. So, there's, there's, there's an awful lot still to happen. Um, I, I thank you to all our speakers, um, and uh, as I said, uh, due consideration will be given to all of those comments, but of course. Um, if we go to full consultations, and I do absolutely encourage you to make the points again um, uh, during that period because that's the purpose of the exercise. Um, I now uh, am going to um, ask my colleagues to consider the uh, Regulation 18 local plan document uh, because um, we will need to decide whether we're proposing the recommendations Contained in that document uh, be put to cabinet. Uh, the document has essentially um, 14 chapters, so I'm going to move through the introduction um, and start with the spatial uh, portrait, vision, and objectives and the spatial tra- strategy. Those are um, chapters two and three. If Colleagues wish to make uh, any comments or ask questions of those. No? Um, Councillor Barker, followed by Councillor Dean, followed by Councillor um, Lodge. I have
2: actually asked the, I have sent a, a number of comments to the officers today, I have actually asked that there is one table in the document that goes out to consultation, which shows the houses built in towns, the houses with kind of new towns, and the new towns but all in one document, so it adds up to the number in the bottom right-hand corner. And I'd also like to take within the document itself, um, rather than as an appendix, a, a better picture of the proposed new settlements. The only picture we have is uh, on page 18, we have some big blocks, and I'd like to see Slightly more detailed, just as we have
0: with the other sites. I'd like to be slightly detailed of those sites,
1: small so scale within the document. Thank you, Dean, thank you. Reference has already been made to this point on page uh, 13, which I'd like to refer to. It was actually mentioned by Mr. Sanders a sort little of earlier. Uh, I noticed on uh, Saturday morning, the, the wording under uh, Objective to see uh, London Stansted Airport, at the bottom of um, page 13, where it uh, refers to utilising the full capacity of the existing runway. Um, I think Mr. Sanders was quite right that that is, uh, well, it's not only ambiguous, or so it, it can be interpreted in a number of different ways. Anyway, I would like to see there the word full, removed, um, and replaced by the word permitted. And, and there is, I think it's probably sensible if I pick up the same point later on at this juncture, uh, because it uh, appears again in different form on page 46 under the spatial strategy, uh, towards again towards the bottom of the page. Um, under uh, airport expansion. Um, e- expansion is an emotive word. Um, it certainly has been for many years in the context of Stanford Airport. I'd be quite happy if that heading said airport development um, and that the first line of that paragraph said proposals for development of the airport and its operation etc etc. And if I could take you down to paragraph C. So paragraph C, which at the moment says there are any problems with the latest commission and the airport master plan for by Manchester airport group, etc., etc. Um, I don't see why we, in this document, need to refer to airport master plans, which they might choose to change at will. So can I suggest that... Paragraph C ends at after the word permission, so it definitely says they are in accordance with the latest permission. In other words, we're not um, giving a, a green light or even, even an amber light at this point in time to any further expansion of the passenger throughput, we uh, even for that matter the air traffic movements at the airport. Um, I think that probably covers it. I, I have uh, discussed these things with officers. If officers think I've missed anything out, um, please say so. But I'd like to propose those as wording changes. Thank you. And uh, I, I,
0: first of all, I fully endorse the points that you've made. Uh, and We'll come back to just going around the table to make sure others do. But I think uh, Mr. Glenday has a point to make as well. And then we'll deal with any matters on these pages before we go on to something else. Is your
3: matters to do with this, Captain up Okay, after Mr Clenday then. <coughs> okay, thank you, Chair. Um, we have had another look through this policy today. So on page 47, uh, again on the same policy, under the heading Northern Auxiliary Area, again, I think this, the wording is slightly confusing. So what we're proposing is that rather than the first line of the, of the paragraph saying hey, airport related employment use, to clarify that point, what we're proposing is that it just says B2 and B8 employment uses it will be permitted to this the And then the rest of it's the same, but it's just to clarify that particular point. So we'd like to... B2 and... B2 and B8 employment uses. It just makes that clear. B2. That's the beginning of the paragraph. B2 and B8 employment uses will be permitted. So so just, so just for complete clarity, so they're the heading northern ancillary area. Then there's a sentence that says this 43 hectare site is allocated for B2 and B8 employment uses. That stays the same. The next line then starts with B2 and B8 employment uses will be permitted at this location, and then the rest of that is on that sentence. It just makes okay, that it also is just very clear.
0: Thank you, yeah. Councillor Loughlin.
9: Thank you. Well, I have um, earmarked um, paragraph D. Uh, on page 46 because on airport expansion um, where it says uh, proposals for development will only be supported where all of the following criteria are met. But I don't believe this one can ever be met because it says do not result in a significant increase in air traffic movements that would adversely affect the amenities of surrounding occupiers of the local environment in terms of noise, disturbance, air quality and climate change impact. Because it does, and it will. So I just thought that this was a bit of a daft paragraph to put in.
14: I think
0: the key word there is adversely, isn't
9: it? Well, adverse, but I think you'll find that any application that comes in they will say that it is adverse and they will be right. So um, I just don't know if this has any place in the local plan.
1: Council Dean, do you want to speak uh, I, I don't know. I haven't discussed this with Councillor but I'm just wondering whether this means any development any like an extra cafe or an extra annex to a small annex which. The officers wish to. So right? it's in there to cover any, any unknown eventuality that might, rather than. Ex-terminal thank you, Captain We'll Rather than do that on the hoof, we'll look at those words.
0: Okay. Thank you. Is there any other comment around Stansted airport? So, in conclusion, we are changing the words uh, objective 2C. Um, we are objecting the words on page 46 under airport, which is now airport development, um, and we're changing the words under northern ancillary area on page 47. And I hope, Mr. Summers, that deals with much of what you discussed.
10: Thank you.
0: Okay, moving on. Other comments? I think Councillor Lodge had it. Yes, um, thank you, Chair. My, my comment was about. Um,
20: uh,
0: I think we'll we'll carry
20: on with the meeting. Could you just turn the mic off? Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. My comments were generic about the spatial vision. Um, I have fa- found the process extremely painful, as I think a, a, lot of, a lot of people have, and I think that those who attend the PPWG meetings regularly will know that I've been one of the, the biggest critics of the process, and being critical to try to get the necessary work done. I think a lot of people have spoken this evening about um, information and reports which have been missing from here and I still have concerns that there are um, still information to come and, and in some ways we premature but I understand the timetable and so I am broadly supportive of, of, of where we are. I've, um, I've received now what must be going into hundreds, several hundreds of emails from People particularly from, from the various proposed settlements and uh, I have responded to every single one of them so um, I understand your concerns and I understand the, uh, the pain. Um, however, we are where we are. Um, a lot of this pain that is being forced upon is coming from the demands of central government and we have no, no means of, of, of countermanding that. And I can see shaking heads, but come and talk to me afterwards if you think there's a way that, that, that we can. So what I, what I would say is that the process with its flaws has come to what is um, uh, broadly a, the, the best possible decision that, that, that we can have. And so what I would say particularly to those areas which are designated for, for the new settlements. Please do everything you can to work with the proposed developers. I see no way around it, but one thing that I'm determined to do in, in what maybe the rest of my my relatively short career in politics, is to try to ensure that we extract those garden city principles from the developers, particularly that we get the planning games captured for the community. I'm personally determined and committed to trying to do that. So, um, this isn't perfect. perfect and I'm not thrilled with what's going on, but I, I, I will do what I can and I beg you in the communities to, to, to do the best to work with the developers and extract what you can
0: from, from the community. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Any other Comments on chapter four. Sorry, chapter three. I was looking ahead of four. Chapter three, I pardon Two and three.
1: Council Dean. First of all, you know, I think this is actually a well written plan. I read it from beginning to end and it despite obviously naturally local concerns and also the fact that there is still more information and evidence to come in it, 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 as, as a layman it hangs together in many ways and I, wonder, I wonder at this point just to pick up um, the point at um, 395 I'm in the right section aren't I? Yes. Uh, yeah, page 49 paragraph 395 where it talks about the Supply of previously developed land and buildings in the district is limited. Now, I go back uh, 30 years on this council, and I was around in the 1980s when um, Eastern Park came up for the first time. Um, We had quite a hullabaloo about that, and eventually the council changed its mind. And decided not to go for Eastern Park because there was, at that time, enough brownfield land at places like um, Stansted, Boatlanger, and other places. So so we had a way out of um, going for Eastern Park, and I opposed it strongly at that time. Uh, Things have changed not only has all that, most of that all of that particular brownfield has been built on um, but there isn't much left anywhere else and so certainly not enough to take the numbers of houses that um, we now need to accommodate, which is not, <laughs> to slightly pick up the point, it's not because the central government says so, it's because central government, we have to recognise that there is a housing crisis in this country, we can't put our head in the suns and do nothing about it. So I just made that point that things change and we now have a plan uh, which requires us to recognize that previously developed land and buildings is limited and we do need to build on green fields. There is no alternative. Thank you,
0: Catherine Dean. If there are no other comments uh, on paragraphs, two and three i now move you on to paragraphs four and five uh, which is housing and employment Barker? Um, a
2: couple of comments if i could chairman on uh, the housing one um paragraph 4.22 i was very concerned about the last sentence mm-hmm. um, which talks about affordable housing currently as we build uh, estates, which um, predominantly what we're building, we have a policy of no more than 10 affordable houses in a cluster, but so the last sentence here says that larger clusters may be appropriate in the new garden communities. I think we have to be very careful about that. Um, we have some good estates and some bad estates, but some of the newer estates, um, such as Roxford Nurseries and Stadstead, um, I feel are much better where the social housing is far more integrated into the community. We go to Woodlands Park in Dublin, which was given on appeal, the affordable housing all in one place. It, it's not good for the community, it's not good for families, so I would like to consider that. But on the other side, I am very pleased with paragraph uh, 4.41 and policy H10, which is about wheelchair accessible housing and setting out the standards so that some housing, as we all get older, is more suitable for people who use wheelchairs or less mobile. So that I think is a very positive move forward chairman. I think I would like to be slightly guarded on the um, larger than ten affordable houses in the cluster.
0: Thank you. Supported by Councillor Loughlin and by Councillor Mills. Uh, uh, Councillor Oliver wishes to speak.
21: Thank you chairman. Can I proceed to paragraph four two? The last line, the greatest need is for family housing, three and four plus bedroom properties. I'm sorry I really think we're, that is wrong. Where we have need is for the starter homes for people which are not four, which are not four plus bedrooms. And also at the other end, when, we retu- when it comes to retirement. One doesn't want perhaps to stay in the four-plus bedroom house. One wants to move down into a bungalow. We have a shortage of bungalows for our retirees, and we have a shortage for the starter homes. Three-bedroom houses and four-plus-bedroom houses are not what we want. We want to look after our young people and also to look after our old people. And I think there's a mistake here. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Cathy Oliver. I I too had underlined uh, that that sentence. Um, I don't know, everybody believes that everything is based on evidence, but we do try that it's based on evidence. So I would ask officers to reclassify the sentence that says the 2015 Schmar identifies that the greatest need is for family housing, i.e. 3 and 4 plus bedroom properties. I actually take all the points all the points you make but we do of course talk about housing mix um, under policy H2 but the the need for bungalow um, and indeed starters. Councillor Lees sorry um, because we're in a different configuration uh, and you're the only councillor on my left shout if I don't call you. Councillor Lees. Councillor Oliver has said exactly as
22: you know I've been here before on the planning meetings a lot asking for bungalows and i feel that what we see in the planning meetings is they say we're following essex guidelines well i think us should make their own guidelines frankly and when they say, well you know at the planning they say oh we've provided so many bungalows in comparison to what essex guidelines are which is how many percentage and if you remember crown Estates said we've increased 100 percent which went from one to two okay um, I think we should be innovative here and we should start making our own policy, you, you know that already but I need to say it publicly. One of the things, I've done a little study in Elston, um, I have plenty of people that are more than happy to give up their family home for a small, for a bungalow. I think when the developers have been here and they've said, oh we have lots of elderly people and they like lots of things, that's because they, there's a limit to what they have. And if people want to stay in an area, this is what people are looking at. As you know, I work in palliative care. Um, and so we look forward. And those people that have to move from houses because they've designed their garden in a way that's not quite relevant. We'll turn from the weed So I think we need to be a bit more innovative. And I know it's on evidence, but I would like it to be much more concrete that we will supply more bungalows. We ask for more bungalows. We ask for more adaptable housing so that people don't have to keep moving and we also know that we're going to have migration and studies have proven, haven't they, that grandparents are moving near their children now rather than children moving near their grandparents. So I agree with you totally and I would really like us to be innovative here, please.
0: Thank you, and to be looking forward uh, rather than reflecting the past. Yes. If I let you speak, I'm going to start a trend, Councillor Redfern. Can I make your point for you? It's something to do with affordable housing.
17: Okay, I'm going to cut you off there because
0: otherwise I'm going to start <coughs> a trend you. I, I, I'm sorry, otherwise. Okay. Yeah. That's you, you said about point of well, clarification, uh, it would take a second.
12: Well, that, that, well, I'm to mess, I just wanted to see where I was going from. I was just, uh,
16: just been reading uh, a report from the University of the West of England that in, in England alone, the there is a million, uh, minimum, of a million year olds to be built on a dense time, brownfield so, type. Right. You know, the bigger picture, a million olds. in fact, that. that Um,
14: that's already been narrowed, but there are
16: there are other reasons why brownfield sites need to be built. Just to put one clarification in England as a whole, because we're being put under pressure, makes mm. a problem a wider problem. There are plenty of brownfield sites to be built.
0: Just thank you. On. Maybe not um, where we want them, and certainly not in Uttersford. I mean, we will obviously get on to Carver Barracks at some point, but not in this uh, planning period. OK, so, so the point about the right accommodation, and, and emphasised by Councillor Redfern's point as well, so I'm sure officers are making note of this. I, I would like, on the same theme, um, Policy H3, um, point A, sufficient car parking is provided in accordance with the Essex parking standards and local standards and subsequent updates. It may be that the Essex parking standards are not good enough. Um, parking is a massive issue, particularly on uh, large developments, the width of the road is a big issue, all of this must be taken into account as well. Councillor
1: Dean. I have raised the uh, question twice at workshops in the past on the, these um, so-called money policies, uh, H2 being one of them, the question about why, and picking up Councillor Oliver's point about why do we not, either lay down what sort of mix of housing we need, and why do we keep ignoring and refusing to put in print one and two bedrooms, though they don't matter. I mean, it may well be a fact that the greatest need is three, maybe four, but that then assumes that nothing else matters. So either you spell the whole thing out, so that it's clear that we're looking for all sizes and roughly what the form need. But I'm, I'm just very annoyed that having raised this at least twice in the past, that there's no reference to one or two in the document at all, as far as I know. If, um,
0: there are twos, but, we but I, think, I think we've got the, the, the no, point here. Sorry,
1: one, well, one, yes, it just said two and three. Yeah. Yeah.
0: OK, any yeah. other points? I well, So, anybody want to talk uh, okay. about employment, because I was taking that at the same time. Yeah.
1: Okay. Sorry, I want to talk about page 50. I want to raise something on page 55. Okay, Councillor Dean. Um, well, Page 55 refers to subdivision dwellings and the potential impact on parking, which has already just been referred to. Um, and then, and then I think it comes up again under transport. I'm not quite sure, can I pick, can I pick this issue where it, in that it occurs in several places? If we've got page um, 96, um, parking comes up again.
0: I think we've made the point on parking, but if there's another point to be made,
17: well there seems
1: to be a contradiction uh, that's um, page ninety six ta four talks about vehicle parking standards and it refers the word design is there written where the number and design is relevant and i agree with the point that you made chairman that that, it, that it's all about designing parking so that people do not feel obliged to Either park on roads where it's not necessary or park halfway along across pavements. And that's certainly one of the problems in Forest Hall parking in there. Um, and then I think I'm just looking for the other reference, page hundred and thirteen. Um, is talking about car park designs. And at the top of the page it talks about on-street parking provided in close proximity to homes, rear courtyard should be avoided. I mean, I understand the point that's being made there that if you put parking out of sight and out of mind, then people are too lazy to to use it. But but the previous one, the whole thing, if you look at those three things together, they don't seem to hang together to make it clear that we want We want parking arranged both to be adequate in quantity and location, such that people would willingly use it, uh, and not park on the roads and the place. I just ask our business to look at the words again to see if those three parts hang together, because I'm not convinced they do.
0: We understand the point you're making, and we see it uh, very clearly in a number of our current uh, communities. Councillor Lees.
22: For me, just to add on there, I'm not sure where it goes in about the parking. I think one of the things that we've noticed in a lot of the developments locally, and Elston Forest Hall is one of them, is though the developers will say the road sizes and Takely, though the developers say the road sizes are wide enough, what we find is they may be, but they're not in real terms. Once people start parking their cars on either side, there are areas in Elston that you'd never get a a fire engine through. And so therefore the parking becomes so dense because the roads are so narrow, so maybe we ought to, again, be a bit more innovative and say we want to have wider roads to ensure that the parking isn't so compressed in one area. Forrest Hall Park, some of them are side streets. It's impossible for people to park anywhere near their houses. And we have to accept that that, that people believe that it is their right to park outside their house.
0: Yeah. No. Good. Okay, so, customers <coughs> Yeah, just to reiterate, I think uh, what I'd love to see is no tandem parking because I think that's the, you know it's the biggest cause of it. As soon as we do tandem parking, I know it means sort of slightly more proportion for the developer to put in front of garages, but as soon as we put one car behind another in front of a garage, people park on the street. So if we could do something with it, I'd love to see it. Okay, further point on the parking that uh, officers have taken on. So. Okay, anything on employment, uh, colleagues? Moving on to Chapter 5. We do have a paper later on, um, the Employment Land Review update, and obviously this is a summary of that. Um, Our requirements have been taken into account by their various shape
1: and uh, size and and need and place. Councillor Dean? Well, all I would say at this point is that we had uh, a paper last week and we didn't get all the answers. Yes, we've got a document now. I don't yet understand it, so therefore I can't comment on this document. That's okay, a bit more explanation. We'll that's take it under item later point five. Uh, it is an update on the paper. Okay,
0: if there are no other points there. I'm going to move you on to retail, chapter six. Councillor Barker.
2: Thank you, Chairman. Um, very unlikely heading for a paragraph here. New shops in rural areas, um, but. What this is, it's very vague about the potential size of a new shop. And it's not a new shop so much. The thing you are more likely to get it on the A1060 or the B184 is actually a petrol station with a shop attached to it. And this doesn't really cover this. And I did wonder whether they're, you know, this come, come back for, you know, between the 18 and 19, but I would say, if you drive from Chomsday, if you leave the outskirts of Chomsford, if you do not a petrol stations again, I'm sure Councillor Levin knows, until you get to, I don't know where, Harlow, you know, which is quite a stretch without a petrol station. But we don't appear to have any policies in here regarding petrol stations. Or whatever they call it.
0: Could I ask officers what the, the the guidance around planning on something like that is? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I take the point that you know, obviously there's an element of uh, the market at work here uh, in terms of we don't build petrol stations, uh, but on the other hand, uh, society's got to work, it's got to, you know, there's got to be an appropriate, uh, um, and, um, you know, retail certainly is the lifeblood of um, many of our high streets, and I'm delighted to say at the moment it's very buoyant, but it must continued to be buoyant, and obviously it's a key part of the new settlements as well. So okay. Um, Moving on to Transport, which is uh, Chapter 7.
2: Chairman, Paragraph 7.1 reads... For example, Junction 8 of the M11 and Saffron that has an air quality management area. It sounds as if Junction 8 has an air quality management area, so I'd like to clarify that it does not have. And the, there are a couple of other paragraphs we did there. Paragraph 7.7 is totally common with and needs rewriting in the middle. Um, again, chapter 7.8. Um, it starts off very strange saying, for Dumbo, it is to utilise the bypass. What is to utilise the bypass? Um, and um, 7.13 states that dominant mode of travel with approximately 6,000 person trips is the car, an hour, a day, a week, peak time, um, which is not clear. So, and I think I'd also like somewhere in the travel transport section, as well as improvements across junction eight and everywhere else, uh, we also actually need pedestrian and cycle access to the airport from Taitley. You go nearly to the airport, and if you have got people who work at the airport and want to catch a train and want to walk, actually you sort of stop before mm. you get to Cooper's End, you round the bend if you haven't got anything at all. Um, I've had that from a lot of people in Taitley, but those who would like to, including casualties Chief, those who would like to get to Taitley or the back, is very difficult, Sorry, to the airport. Council
1: Dean. Uh, two points uh, one is probably a nitpicking one but on page eighty nine paragraph that begins a mode of shift seven point thirteen it says a dominant mode of travel with approximately six thousand person trips is the car. does that mean trip per person per yeah, well, I think yeah, Councillor Parker
0: just made that point. You, oh, that's so. the point? Well, she actually it, it hurts with how often, but it's the same point. It needs clarification. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, that's yeah. Well. <laughs> the other one under uh, sustainable transport, TA2 on page 93. There's no there's no reference in here about it. fly parking. And and one of the things that's occurred to me is that if Eastern Park goes ahead and there's um, some form of transport link into the airport, we need something in here to make sure that Eastern Park doesn't turn into a park and ride uh, pleasure garden, or whatever you want to call it. Um, Otherwise, that would be um, counterproductive, to say the least. I think that's a very important point. I mean, it's
0: absolutely right that there is a good communication link um, that's as environmentally friendly as possible, but that shouldn't, as you rightly say, then become uh, uh, an off site car
13: park. Councillor Davis. Thank you. It's just, I don't know whether it's an omission or an oversight, but but if we're talking on page 87, around uh, 7.5, where it discusses low bus use and bus services that are trying to operate on a commercial basis. Um, given that we'd be looking at an, a significant increase in, um, in population, then to, on page 97 on policy to 5 the new transport infrastructure or measures, there's no mention of bus services at all. Uh, within that, it mentions rail, walking, cycling, strategic highway improvements and local improvements, but it doesn't actually reference buses or bus, potentially additional bus services that will need to be provided as part of an overall no I think that's an
0: excellent point because the uh, key, key key bus networks is a key part of the new settlements and obviously funding would be found for a lengthy period to maintain those um, but we should be laying that out um, on policy ta5 yeah um, and um, the um, walking and cycling um, uh, routes which we've made modest progress on. We'd want to see substantive progress in this plan. Uh, Mention is made of the completion of the Flitch Way, for example, um, but there are, there, are, there are several others that uh, need to be included, um, and that's very important. I appreciate that not everybody cycles, and not everybody walks, but those that want to, there should be the opportunity. Councillor Lees.
22: Sorry, I think you probably answered, but I just want to check because there is on 711 and TA1, it says the new development should be linked to existing facilities by a well-designed cycle path. But I'm not aware of a single new development that's linked to anything by a cycle path. Um, So is there evidence that that these cycle paths are planned, or are we waiting for the developer to come up with those? Do we have any plans for cycle, specific cycle paths? Or we do? So if they are, have I missed it in here? Mr. Harvard,
4: you want to know? Sorry, have sorry, I missed it? If
18: I have, missed it? Yeah, the County Council have produced a cycle strategy for us. It's an aspiration. Because
22: if I may just say, I think Essex County has turned down most cycle ideas and things that they wouldn't work. So I, I don't mean to be cynical, but a little bit I'd like to give
11: more than
0: ever to if I may. I know. Um, uh, 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 yeah, I with my words I'm not suggesting that this is the reason why go ahead but I know there are elements in Great Chesterford who are very keen to complete these the cycle link from Cambridge yeah. to Saffron Walden for example and clearly that could be a key requirement of, of that development as as well as as cycling from any new settlement to the various parts but the point has been made cycling back up to the new settlement which is uphill would be quite a challenge any other any other comments? Okay, thank you. We'll move on to item, uh, uh, sorry, Chapter Eight, Infrastructure. Councillor uh, Barker.
2: Two things, Chairman. On paragraph 8.4, which I've now lost again. Um, I'd like to see. Uh, we talk about community use of space. I think we ought to be including more than just community halls there. Um, I think we at libraries. I think we look at playing fields. Um, I think it's ridiculous if you have a school that has playing fields it's only open a school time. I think we need to be braver on that. And on paragraph 8.12, I think when we are designing green space within communities, we need to make sure that that green space is easily maintainable. Yeah. We have some developments, Pryos Green being one where the green space, the way it's been designed makes long of maintenance a really difficult issue and we've got to design out small pieces of land.
0: We absolutely have. Uh, There are so many developments that have taken place in this district over the years, very often on appeal, where there are pockets of land either that have been concreted over or uh, grassed that are not maintained. uh, They they just become a problem. So there needs to be a very clear uh, mode of governance with the appropriate finance and appropriate responsibility. It, it isn't a burden, it, it, it should be something that people want to take on.
2: Sorry, Joe, the other final thing in that paragraph is policy in 4, not what that which talks all about broadband, which actually makes no reference to 4G uh, or 5G, and most of these things you will carry around work on 4 or 5G rather than broadband. Yep. And I think that should be yep. explicit in the Very way. good
1: point. Custody? I'd like to refer to page 100. Policy INF1 infrastructure develop, delivery. In the first paragraph, it refers to um, infrastructure being supported by timely delivery of infrastructure. Uh, we all know that that often doesn't happen, and uh, a good case that comes to mind is the bypass at Dunmo that seemed to take forever and ever to come about. Um, in the fourth paragraph again it talks about requiring reliable <coughs> things being in place to ensure that it being infrastructure will be delivered. I prefer to uh, have a bit of a repetition here and put the words in a timely manner at the end of that paragraph just to make the point. Yep, absolutely. And it comes back to the whole project
0: planning point that we take, which must be um, mm. laid out in, in statute and in contract. Um I'm surprised uh, at 8.7, there are only three public parks and gardens within mm-hmm. Uttersford, um, Bridgen Gardens, Jubilee Gardens and The Common, mm-hmm. of which we all know that all of these are in Sutton Ward and I'm surprised at that. And, and obviously again, as I said, I don't want to touch all nerves here, but um, one would hope that um, the Eastern Park becomes a, 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 a centre of excellence as well and that would be another of the
1: great Uttersford mm-hmm. parks. And there will be others. Can I just come in to say that I hope it fits in this category that Stansted Park or Partsoft will become a public park once the Elms Farm uh, development is completed? I think that's the case. No? No? Does it not good? I don't know. Gentlemen, it's
21: uh, also North. a lot of the villages have a lot of land, and I would take, take refer to my own village of Clavering, where we have the very successful Jubilee Field. Um, where do you get into a distinction between what's a park and what's not a park and what's a field? Yeah. yeah it, sure. This is
0: not ticking this up at all. No, right. I think we can go back and relook at that, but obviously the aspiration to uh, to, be able to develop more as part of this uh, planning policy period. Um, just on policy uh, INF2 protection and provision of open spaces, sports facilities, and pitches, we've done a very comprehensive analysis of our uh, sport. Uh, uh, capacity, and we are lacking in a number of areas. So I hope uh, we hope to make an announcement about that shortly as a council. But um, I hope um, uh, that this plan will absolutely take up that, and we'll have some uh, truly great sports facilities. We've got some very talented people um, at both the recreational and at international uh, level living in Uffington, and um, uh, as well, obviously, as it being fundamental to our health and well-being agenda. Anything else on infrastructure? Sorry,
22: Councillor Lee. Sorry. Okay. Um, 812. That all new residential development will need to provide formal and informal places. Now, I think historically, I've always first going forward rather than backwards. But historically, in a lot of developments, we've got a lot of little leap and children areas and play areas. I'm sure tipton have got plenty more developments. We've got plenty. Um, the developer makes them they, and then they, group well, then, they, they toddle off, and they don't look after them. And also, they sometimes seem to put them in without any real consultation with the Paris Council, and only with us with the District Council. You're smiling, are you agreeing? Yes, um, with, a, with the Paris Council. So I do feel that I would like to put somewhere here that the Paris Council will be consulted or if they are going to do it, they will have to look after it for the next number of time frames. They seem to be, they put in, they're all singing all dancing, some of them are, some of them are appalling, and then they're just left, and then we're constantly fighting to to see who's going to maintain them. Uh, Then we ask the Paris Council and they haven't agreed. So I think we need something a little bit more concrete for developers to absolutely be sure what they're going to provide or who's going to
0: look after it and who's in consultation, if I may. I think that's an excellent point. Uh, And that business about consultation should be written into every paragraph, yes. uh, to every development. Yes. Um, and that's the point we've been making, uh, and I think uh, Councillor Lodge touched upon it. Um, you may not want it, but 6,000 houses are going to go somewhere. So those of you affected, let's absolutely uh, have that consultation so that you get as much as you possibly can and the mitigation is as as good as it should be. Okay, so I think that point's been taken as well. Um, There are no other points on infrastructure. Uh, Then I'm going to move on to design, which is Chapter 9. Councillor Barker.
2: Just two issues here, Sharon. Paragraph 9.3, or wrong in the first paragraph there we need to have a look at that, um, it's just gone wrong, it says successful places are those, and then it says source them, so we have so we've got a bit wrong there, and also on policy D5 um, we refer to we refer schemes to the East of England Design Review Panel operated by Shape East, I think we should put in brackets for its successor body, this plan will be around for 15 years, I've been 15 years, this won't be called East. So in other places we do through those successive bodies, I think that might be relevant in this place.
1: Thank you. Councilor Dean. I'm referring to page 110. Uh, in, in paragraph 9.2, it has the words fostering um, a sense of community through well-designed, functional and attractive public spaces. And enhancing the quality of the environment. Now, we're going to have, or we're almost certainly going to have, new settlements. Um, I think this is more, this planning process is more than just about bricks and mortars and fields and even trees. I think it's about people and it's about communities that work. And I don't know where we would want to say it here, but I'd like to think that this council takes an active role in engendering successful, I mean, we always use this word sustainable community, but sustainable, whatever, but, but I, think, I think we've got a, a role in making a sustainable, a, a community of people that works, and just one minor issue that I've experienced in the past, where Forest Hall Park was um, being built. There was a long period of time when there weren't any blooming uh, street painter. So you might live there, but nobody could find you. Now, that's only a minor matter. But nevertheless, it's important in in engendering a community. But beyond that, it's about community of all. And it's about, well, it's about parish councils, I might say. Not saying... Oh, then they're, they're a foreign place and we don't want anything to do with them it's about parish councils wanting to welcome new people to their parish not saying they can blink and well have their own parish council and do their own thing once they sort out what this place is about so I don't know how you pick that up but I just think this whole area of a, of a, of a place to live it is important
0: it is creating communities and um, having uh, for example a place of worship um, and uh, community facilities so that that starts to build. It's a tricky one, Jasser Dean, in terms of the role that the District Council has in shaping communities. I, I, I absolutely understand the point you're making, but obviously communities have got to t- take on a, a life of their own, but uh, I'm sure there'll, there'll be ways that one can help to support that. But uh, uh, I noticed that Mr Littles in the audience, so you're, you're Judah Park, so um, your, your point about uh, street names and uh, being able to get around, I think we've learned some lessons on that. Um, In fact, the whole business of a new development, the snagging that goes with that and how quickly can you
1: deal with it is also a lesson that we've learned. Uh, But you you make a good point about communities. I mean, can I just add, it's not necessarily something that is addressed in this document, but it
17: needs to be addressed
1: elsewhere in the Council's policies and and, and activities. Yeah, Yeah, it Uh, does. May I, while I'm on my piece, uh, just raise one other matter in this section on design page page 110. I'm very pleased that reference is made here twice, and in particular in policy D10 about highly efficient, highly energy efficient buildings, and it refers specifically to certified passive house buildings, which I know we've got some in Wimbish, I think. Um, Is there any way we can be a bit more inviting? Than that. In other words, you know, brackets, and we'd offer you incentives. Or um, I, don't, I don't know. But it, 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 it's, it's something that's so important that I, I think we, we really should go out of our way to to welcome highly energy efficient buildings. And the, the ones in the ones in Winrich, I might say, were for the latest ones anyway. Were for um, not just private yeah. market housing, but also for um, Housing association housing, and I think that's. what it, In many ways, it's more important uh, because people in social housing or in uh, housing association housing are less able to pay their um, fuel bills. So I, I'd like us to, to look. I'd like to us to look before this finally goes out to see whether we could be a bit more bullish about that topic. Yes, I think we've got to be careful that we don't. Um...
0: I don't think we're planning to rewrite this document, mm-hmm. apart from some of the amendments we made at the beginning of it. And I think Councillor Lodge, you wanted to make an amendment. Didn't you? I don't know whether we've gone over that. Uh, the spatial st- comment to Warden on the spatial strategy. Well, I was coming into that in uh, in, in twelve. Okay, fine, that's good. Um, design, um, high quality design. We all aspire to that. Um, I guess high quality design is a very subjective uh, point. So take Bewley Park, for example, on the outskirts of Chelmsford. I have heard some people say that it's quite, it is quite an, it is a quite outstanding de- uh, design uh, of a new um, settlement. And others who say it is absolutely horrendous. Uh, it just makes the point. I mean, design is a subjective subject. And some will like, and some will not. I don't quite know how, how we create a design that more people like than dislike. So, uh, officers may want to bear that in mind. It, 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 and we're not necessarily going to have a public competition on the design, but I, I do think we need to take account of a broad range of, of, of tastes as well as um, as what is appropriate for the 21st century and all the uh, energy points that are laid out in this paragraph, which you referred to, Councillor Dean, and which are absolutely essential. These, these should be the most energy-efficient homes uh, that are possibly available. Councillor Lodge.
20: Just one thing on that. We have uh, of, of a number in Saffron Walden. We have one particularly uh, good design on the former um, uh, part of the former Friends school site, which which was award-winning. Um, and I don't know whether well, there's a way we can we can point developers in uh, in that direction to see whether that that, that can be uh, repeated. I, I know I, I, I very 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 um, interesting. At a town council meeting, the town council. Um, was, was trying to review a, a, a plan with a developer and they said why don't, why don't you repeat that, uh, that development the avenue and, and the developer said our oh, people in suffering well they don't really want that uh, a
0: ridiculous comment but surely we can point yeah. them in that area. yeah and i guess if you've got five people in the room you'll have five different views on design but absolutely in terms of where we see centers of excellence councillor mills Just on the passive house point, I mean I understand that Exeter have
4: just announced that they will build all of their new houses to passive house standard. Um, There are obviously some authorities that are setting the bar considerably higher than we're even thinking about.
0: Thank you, that's a good point. Councillor Lockhart.
9: Thank you. Talking about design, does that mean we can ditch the Essex design guide? because every single housing estate is almost identical to another housing estate because we do stick quite blindly to the Essex design guide and I think it would be a good idea if Ithesford could have their own or we could have something that makes us a bit more innovative than little boxes and I would like to see that. I agree.
0: Okay, I think there's a Chorus of approval. We've got some developers in the room as well. I'm sure they're noting these points. The Councillor Davis.
13: And just to add to that point, I think when this whole process started, we we accept that, that housing needs to happen, but there was no reason why we can't set a standard in this district for for innovation and acknowledging the way that lives lives are changing. Um, and it's a general point, not just talking about design, but but people are relying on. on um, broadband technology a, a greater amount as a result enabling them to have to drive less uh, people are, are, are tra- transitioning to, to other um, you know, to electric vehicles and the proliferation of electric vehicles means that people will be demanding things like electric car charging points and it, it's just that thing around if you don't really get yeah but you just don't get many opportunities to, to yeah. be able to do this and then we need to grasp the, the metal on that and feel like we're delivering something which is truly um, special, because we are the best districts in the countries to live, in, yeah. so we should we should follow that and
0: demand it absolutely right and uh, delighted that the point of electric charging actually is in the report so um, but a- 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 any you know passive house desi- um, uh, standards um, electric charging uh, you know these aren 't subjective points, the design does become more subjective but uh, yeah, points well made. Thank you. So moving on now to um, chapter 10, which is the environment. For Councillor Barker.
2: Um, three things I could on this, Chairman. First of all, paragraph 1015, which talks about uh, important sites. Um, we have included the, the phrase that says many important sites remain undiscovered and unrecorded. So I think we must be monitoring this, or we can do x-ray. Because certainly, if we haven't found a site, and it's not recorded, how do we know there are lots of them? So I'd like that to take it out if possible. Secondly, what I think we haven't put in around the pollution issue. We haven't made specific reference to the fact that new lighting, in my opinion, should all be LED. I don't just like LED lighting, but it is much more energy efficient. And the other thing was on paragraph 10.53, where we talk about a zone to either side of the A120 or the M11. If any of you drives down the A120, you'll notice that the A120 um, between Dunmore and Braintree and around Dunmore is built so that it can be expanded to three lanes and I wondered if it were to be expanded to three lanes, would we then put the same exclusion zone around that as we didn't run the current Mr
18: Harper. The width of the exclusion zone depends upon the traffic volume, so if three lanes resulted in more traffic, it might be rejected.
0: There's some very important points uh, in this chapter on air quality, which uh, I know
1: is a sensitive and important subject. Uh, Councillor Dean? Two points. One, a very quick one. On page 124, policy EN7, protecting the significance of conservation areas, this talks about um, development outside the conservation area, which might otherwise affect. It's, in other words, a conservation area setting will be permitted, where it is not that to the character and appearance of significance or significance of the conservation area. Uh, I, I want to welcome this policy most strongly. We certainly had uh, our rousing stance over a new building that appeared uh, on the edge of the conservation area in Lower Street. Um, and, a, and because it was marginally outside the conservation area, that might or might not have um, influenced the way it was handled. So the fact that we've now got a policy in here which uh, addresses that topic, I think um, we're in a better position for the future. I'd like to ask uh, a question, it's really on on page 127, paragraph 18, and It goes through to policy EN6, on page 128, on historic parks. The the policy is talking about development being committed where no material harm is caused to the special interest of historic parks and gardens and so on. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of, assuming this plan goes ahead, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of discussion about that in the context of Eastern Park which I understand is a a grade two park. I started a conversation this afternoon or an exchange of emails this afternoon with officers, but we didn't have time to complete it. So I'm really asking officers at this point how, how a place like Eastern Park would be handled in the context of this policy, which you know could be interpreted to say leave them alone, but all it says without material harm. So presumably, within that, there's enough guidance that we can evaluate Eastern Park against this policy. Who would like to take that?
4: I think three three chairman. The simple answer is yes um, to that, um, councillor.
14: uh, Not
0: only yes, but presumably there will be um, community benefit. Yes, absolutely. Uh, To uh, to do what the community feel would be right to enhance that park. uh, We understand the point that the development is on the park, so I I get that. But the other parts that we referred to at the last meeting, which includes the gardens, the house, and other. the rest of the park, um, there is an opportunity to do something that perhaps otherwise wouldn't be possible. Yes,
4: uh, absolutely Chairman, I mean there's two elements to it, one, first of all, the assessment of of what the impact would be on the historic asset and we would take its plans and advice and uh, talk to historic England about that, and secondly, obviously where there is an opportunity to enhance and improve that asset, we we would take it.
0: And that of course goes for all the new developments, because they all (laughs) The others weren't uh, as a previous park, but nevertheless they are
1: a- I, areas of uh, environmental importance. And I just come back? I mean, this, this policy, EN6, doesn't say anything about enhancement or preservation or singling out areas that shouldn't be built upon. You know, is it, anyway way, it's incomplete, I suggest. Yeah, we could, uh, through you, Chairman, we could
4: go away and look at that and see if, see if we can tighten up the wording and, and, yes, and extend it.
0: Okay, Cap- Councillor Davis, was that uh, a- <laughs> Yeah, okay. I mean, there are some very important sections in this protecting and enhancing the natural environment, the point we've heard from most of the speakers uh, this evening, uh, which is very critical. Um, and um, traditional open spaces and trees. Uh, Again, very important, uh, (coughs) um, if there's a new development uh, coming close to existing communities and and what uh, protection there is, as well as in the the rest of the environment as well. Okay, um, we'll now move on to Countryside, which is Chapter 11. Protection of the Landscape Character, Reuse of Rural Buildings, Councillor Barker.
2: Um, just paragraph 11.4, Chairman, I, I, I turned to Wikipedia for this because uh, I wasn't quite sure how long man had been around, but Wikipedia assured me no more than 50,000 years, which is slightly shorter than the half a million years that we mentioned in one of our paragraphs there. So I think somebody added a note and then somebody turned it to nice and loud reach. but I think if we could go back to 50,000 that would be nearer the mark.
0: Thank you, Chair. Sure that's uh, noted. Thank you. I read these documents. Yeah, you do. We're very impressed with in that. Oh, the comments on the countryside, which, of course, is a continuation of the point about the environment as well. I think many of the comments, that the sensitivities around the environment, flows through to the countryside as well. And um, as I say, the points that have been made throughout the process, not just this evening, uh, must, be, must be fundamental to the way we approach. These developments. In which case, we'll move on to uh, the residential site allocations, which is Chapter 12. Um,
2: A general point, if I could, Chairman. Um, I'm not sure I have on screen. It may be better on screen. In the printed document, we do need page breaks because you find yourself looking at one title and then the pictures on the next page, or whatever. Either that means we need blank spaces
0: it's easier to have the narrative above the picture so you know that this is the picture and the narrative go together Thank you Chairman um Okay, Councillor Lodge, I think
20: this is where you wanted to make your point isn't it? Um, Indeed, yes, Coming, uh, you will you will know uh, what I'm about to say because it's been my um, uh, frequent mention of the inclusion of uh, the care side, the Kearside side which um, which was turned down by planning, which was turned down on appeal, um, and I think that if you if you looked at the reaction in Saffron Walden, the, t- the town council is very much against this. Um, also, you will have seen today that the neighbourhood planning team took the trouble to write to to both of us, saying that whilst they um, they accepted the the level of allocation in Saffron Walden, they very specifically were against the the care application and in fact in this email he even undertook to um, uh, to find the 150 homes uh, in, in alternative places now uh, I think what we've got to say is that it's, it's a bit too late for this consultation to to, uh, to change that but I think we'll, we'll be looking at that and um, we would expect that there will be a different look at this when, when, when we get to the next iteration of the plan uh, one thing though particularly on uh, on air quality, which I, I would like to propose that we change, uh, there's been a, a, a constant uh, death by a thousand cuts with regard to, to air quality in Saffron Wall and probably in other places as well, so that, oh well, another 200-300 cars won't make too much difference. Uh, what, we, what we must do is to look at the cumulative effect, because this is having uh, an adverse effect on the health of people in South and So what I'd like to say on, on page 215 there, where we, um, there will, an air quality assessment will have to be carried out to demonstrate the development will have no adverse, sorry, no adverse effect. I'd like to see that there's no cumulative adverse impact on the South Wales and the
0: Okay, is the rest of the group content with that? Seems perfectly reasonable. Mm-hmm. Sure
2: understand the use of the planning application stage,
1: everything is considered only on its own merits, so I'm not sure if you've possibly okay, that a principle. Councillor Dean. Can I raise this as a general point um, I haven't spotted? I haven't looked to see whether it's covered, so officers may be able to um, enlighten me, but um, Dr Mott um, raised the point about Elson. Um, it's certainly my view that um, Elsinam has had in the past, or in the recent past, a lot of development, and it's all being done without any umbrella looking at potential cumulative effect. Um, and I'm not saying this just because I live in Stansted and get most of their traffic, but it is a, it is a fact no we looked at Elsnam, New Town, and that was thrown out. But there has been a significant cumulative effect. So I, I just, it may be that it's just it's the planning process rather than a policy in in here, but I just think that more attention in some way or other, and I know a lot of the applications in Elston were um, they weren't in any plan and they were speculative because there was no five year land supply and all that. Um, but can we put something into here which somehow tries to prevent that happening again? Or or And what's the point? You know, does address the cumulative effect rather than just taking each application on its individual merits. That's the point I'm trying to make. Uh,
0: We can do that, Uh, and I just look carefully to Dr. Moss as well. I think when we're talking about 40 houses, so we need to put it into. I know every, every 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 application is important in its own right, but. Uh, I think that has been taken into account uh, in terms of the overall numbers. So these are, these are pretty modest figures in comparison to um, A,
1: certainly what's happened in the past and B, you know what might have been. The point I'm making is not about the proposal for 40 extra in Elsham but it, it, the amount of people here from other villages which if you will get the Elsham effect in years to come. So I'm, I'm looking at something which makes officers cognizant of the fact that this is happening in another place. OK, take that away, but I I, I,
0: I do do believe that officers have taken that very carefully into account, actually. I think that's one of the successes of this plan, but Councillor Lee.
22: No, if I may say, um, when you come to the planning, again, when you come to the planning uh, meetings, uh, we are told constantly that you can only look at each plan individually; that you cannot look at what happens before or after, or what's coming in the process. And I, I certainly agree with Councillor Z. The problem with that policy is that you can only look at each one, is that it singles it out, doesn't do it. And, and Elsinore is a really good example that two developments were allowed simultaneously on the other side of each side of the road. And it's caused all sorts of problems because of that. And I, and I think you're right, We do it, that one policy of we can only look at each one individually is not the correct policy. You have to look at what's going on around at the same time, surely. Yeah, and, I, and I, in the overall
0: plan, I think that's what officers have done. But in terms of the a, a, a planning application officers, can you just uh, make the point there? I suspect we're following the law, aren't we? Do you want to comment to the public
3: about that? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Obviously, but with the planning application, you have to take that one on its merits. The whole point of the plan is setting it in a whole context. It's, as we were saying in the presentation, having an up to date plan means that unwelcome speculative development is less likely to on that basis. Yes.
0: So I think White Ditch Lane and Newport would make the same point you just made about us. Uh, okay, uh, any other residential
1: site allocation points? Can I, I can I just come back? Um, it's, it's not just about, for instance, the, you know, the impact of, in the Elsenum case, of trafficking stands that even though we didn't get help them, um, it, it's about the fact that this development's taking place in Elsenum with no consideration, or as far as I'm aware, no consideration of, infa- of um, you know, amenities and things like that. And, and the council hasn't adopted community infrastructure, let where I think you can... Take a bit of money from each development and put it in a pot and then spend it on a common theme. Um, so I, so I, think, I, I do think that there is, there is a weakness in, in, in the process, and, and if, we've not got, if we aren't adopting community infrastructure levy, then we, we have to decide again. <laughs> okay, so your point is in a local
0: plan, take account of the community of effect. Uh, Perhaps officers could review how you word that, but as I say, I I think you've only got to look at the numbers to see that that's broadly been taken into account. But we do need—we do—you're absolutely right. This this, um, drip, drip of development uh, isn't helpful in terms of overall amenity. Okay, thank you. Any other points on residential site allocations? So I have one more, and
22: I know this isn't going to be possible. But is there any way? That we can get it. If you have built rubbish homes in Uttersford, and we know there are developers that have, and there's a development local to me that the builder said, "Don't buy any of these. They are built really badly." If we know that, and they haven't produced their play area, and they just haven't done it, they just haven't done it right, and we're constantly having to chase, chase them as a council. Surely somewhere along the lines we should be able to say you can't build it. Also, I don't know how to, I don't know how
9: we can do it, but do you know what I'm saying? Uh, can I just say every house that's built, you have building regulations, oh. and the the inspector should come down and check that it's being built every stage of that building. If it isn't any good, it won't be allowed to go any further. I don't think you can say that. We no. yeah. might not like them. We might think they're rubbish but you can't criticise the way it's built if you don't know how they're built and right. you're not a builder yourself, I don't but think that's fair. Yeah, I get
11: that. But we
22: also know, don't we, that there are some development, again going back to those play areas where people have promised stuff and haven't delivered it properly. Well, that's not, that's, not well, that's right. a slightly different point no,
0: but, uh, um, but uh, Councillor Mills is listening very keenly to the point you're making because um, at the Council we are absolutely committed yeah. to enforcing uh, what is the obligation of a developer to undertake. And we, we have enhanced the enforcement team, we've restructured the enforcement team and um, both, the, both getting 106 or SIL if it becomes SIL uh, is, is a key objective of the planning team, isn't it, Councillor Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, unless there's uh, anything else on item 13 12 and 13. Is there anything else on the paper? After that, we come to the glossary and some of the. You've got an issue on the appendix, okay? Um,
2: It's the appendix that isn't there, really. Um, Copper Beach Avenue, Takesley. It's a new development, gated development, 13 houses, private road. And we won't send a dustbin lorry down there. We have to have a policy about dustbin collection points this. If you're building a cul-de-sac, six houses, the developer has to provide somewhere way to put the dustbins because we end up in a ridiculous situation otherwise. If it's a policy, then it has to be considered when a planning application is made.
0: I'm going to take that as the final point, but it is, it is, it is, it is, it is the most excellent one. Uh, the devil often lies in the detail. And uh, to be able to have access to key facilities uh, such as uh, yeah. bin collection is fundamental. Okay thank you for that very comprehensive review of what is a very comprehensive paper I'm now going to ask the planning policy working group um, to, uh, to to essentially vote uh, on the proposed to propose the recommendation contained in the regulation and local plan documents that we've just reviewed be put to cabinet those in favor of that proposal. Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Thank you for that. Um, We now move on to item 4, I think planning officers uh, for their input into that and as I said their their work. Uh, We now move on to item 4, local development scheme.
23: Mr Payne, thank you. Thank you Chairman. Um, This item um, uh, has an attachment which is the Local Development Scheme. Um, The last time this scheme was considered um, by the Cabinet was February last year. Uh, Some important things have happened since then. And uh, this item really seeks to refresh um, the scheme with the latest timetable. And on page 2 of the report, you will see the timetable set out for the local plan. Um, The document itself is largely um, in the form that um, it was put together before and updated, but there's something I'd like to particularly just draw to the working group's attention, and that's looking at the document itself um, and page five where there is a diagram which sets out the components of the Ecclesford development plan documents. Um, and this uh, diagram shows a couple of additional um, uh, key points. One, in relation to neighborhood plans, how important they are in terms of the overall um, uh, policy of uh, development management. But more particularly as well, garden community development plans. And I think the working group made some uh, points earlier around when we were about Eastern Park around the impact of the major new uh, growth settlements and how that's done very uh, thoroughly and carefully in the light of landscape and historic assets and all the other considerations. So the LDS really recognises that master planning and development plans are really important uh, in terms of going forward. There's an important matter of the overall plan but also recognising future work on that, uh, those department plans and the consultation that's all involved in that. So the working group is being asked to uh, note the revised LDS and the timetable and recommend its approval to Cabinet on the 6th of July. I'm happy to answer any questions, Chairman.
0: <coughs> Thank you. Are there questions? We have seen the LDS a number of times before. Uh, we'll update on that, and as you, the picture you paint is that the information is an iterative exercise that continues right the way through to planning application stage. So we build the knowledge knowledge base on a continuous basis. Any up? catalog? Lodge. Just uh, a markup might have been
20: rather good to see what had been changed. Keep making that point. Sorry. <laughs>
23: Um, Chair, I could follow that up with Council or members of the working group outside of this meeting if you'd like to see that. I can do that. Yeah. That would
0: be helpful. That would be helpful. Thank you. Okay, we've, we've noted the, uh, the changes. So thank you, um, thank you for that, uh, which moves us on to item five, which is the employment land review update. We had a presentation uh, last week. This is the final
13: report, I believe. Thank you Chairman. I think it's more than like the, um, I published the published the review publish um, mm-hmm. update um, on Tuesday this week I think it's more just to stay uh, what um, members questions are on that and I will answer where possible but I'll, of course we'll be happy any questions at the this meeting will we'll, of course be happy to go to the um, consultants and approach them as well
17: so.
0: so a number of points have been made I think you wanted to come back Councillor Dean uh, the
1: stage. I think I decided in the circumstances to take it offline um, rather than try to go into detail now. Thank you. I mean this is,
0: this is the third time that we've seen this report as well. Uh, it's, now, it's now a complete report um, and um, it, goes, it very clearly goes through the different type of small office space, medium office laboratory um, and uh, warehousing uh, and industrial. Lays out uh, what is required, what is forecast to be required, all the potential sites within that, um, including existing and obviously um, employment sites within the um, within the new developments as well. So, um, if there are no other points,
2: um,
0: then we shall. There's no, no hesitation from officers in terms of the capacity to find all these sites?
4: Uh, no, Chairman. And I think essentially what, what we're asking the, the group to do is, is essentially incorporate it into the evidence base as we have all the other studies, Chairman. I know there's no formal recommendation before you. Do you want to make
0: any comments about industrial land use? Because there were some slight contradictions. First of all, uh, the likelihood that we'll, we'll need less. Um, the second point that in terms of the opportunity for businesses to grow um, that they need to you know, ideally find capacity enough to be able to do that. Um, do you think there's any, have we fully addressed industrial use? I, I'm pretty clear on warehousing office space, I think it's well laid out.
13: Um, I think, like I said, I can Report back on, they like said, a the comparison between the two reports. Um, if, if members do want to do a brief paper on that, um, just laying out, setting out the differences and where they're coming from now, they've got the um, ELR the, the updated for them, I'd be happy to do that. Um, it's, it's quite I, I think it
0: would just be quite good because as you read the report, the, the reflection on industrial is, is, uh, is, I wouldn't say it's confused, but it, it, it seems to be sending us two messages, okay. whereas quite a
13: quite clarity, I think, on the rest of it. Yeah, I'll certainly um, I'll approach consultants on that just to find a little more clarity in that Okay, that's me. good. There are no other questions on that item.
0: So, that uh, we now move on to duty to cooperate verbal update. Thank you.
4: Yes, uh, th- thank you, Chairman. Uh, I'll, I'll commence this and uh, look, Sun Payne, perhaps, to, to chip in if he wishes. Um, yes, yeah, since last week, uh, the only uh, meeting of note is that uh, we met with South Cam's. South Cambridgeshire offices yesterday morning, Chairman. Um, that was uh, essentially to share the evidence. I mean, the, the, main, the main subjects were the proposed North Uttlesford uh, garden community, uh, but that was very much in the context of the growth aspirations of South Cambridgeshire, the strategic highway network. So, we covered a broad range of issues, I think, essentially looking first of all the strategic context and what the longer term plans and aspirations were of both our authorities, and then homing in on North Huddersford and to hopefully give South Cambridgeshire uh, not that they haven't got a clear understanding already, but to share with them the most up to date evidence we've got about transportation, uh, landscape, visual impact issues and go away, uh, sort of let, let the meeting. Hopefully, with, um, with, a, with a good understanding about the evidence base and a commitment to essentially share with them what they felt was necessary uh, to help them with their response uh, to our consultation. I don't know, Simon, whether that was a fair summary, you want to add anything?
0: Uh, sorry, you do, Monday, but I think the is just going to finish off.
23: Um, on, uh, South Cams. Well, uh, Chairman, only to heartily agree with my colleague Mr Fox, I think it was a constructive uh, discussion. I think one of the issues for us um, is the huge amount of evidence uh, that we have, um, and uh, so we agreed that we would um, work with our colleagues at South Cam's, going through that evidence and really identifying those parts which were specifically relevant to North Battlesford. Um, they have their own um, other um, uh, priorities as well. So I think it's important that we're working uh, helpfully with them to understand the, the key facts. Okay, just
0: before we move on to other areas. Um, so there will be a, um, a Chief Executive and, and Leader uh, session next week. Uh, and then a full duty to cooperate with members and officers in the fortnight after that. So it's a very much ongoing discussion with South cams
9: Thank you. Uh, well, I don't really know if it's anything to do with this, but there have been rumblings, and we've been getting lots of emails obviously, uh, that South Cams weren't very happy with um, our North Waffensford suggestion. And if it should be that they won't accept what we're going to do, or they don't like it, what will be the position then?
23: Mr. Yes, Chair. Um, I think the important thing at this stage is that we go through the facts and the evidence. Um, some of that evidence has um, only um, been finalised in the last uh, few weeks. I mean, For instance, last week we had the landscape uh, report, um, which was uh, considered by this working group. Um, so we've made the information available as soon as we can, but there's still um, uh, some further discussions to take place. I think it's really important as officers that we are um, agreeing as far as possible the, the evidence base and the, the key facts. Um, quite where that takes us is you know, one could speculate but I think the important point at this uh, stage is that we um, share the methodology and the working which we believe has been very thorough um, in uh, putting, together, putting together this plan. Um, and then we can take stock, and uh, no doubt South Cambridgeshire will as well. Um, But the important thing is that we are committed to an evidence-based approach, and uh, and I'm sure that um, my colleagues at South Cambridgeshire would also agree that it needs to be an evidence-based approach.
1: Thank you. Catherine. We did hear earlier that the um, leader of South Cambridgeshire had been making comments in, in public after you had your meeting Councillor Roth, you can come back and reassure us or assure us that the leader of South Cambridge is also working on a, an evidence-based approach as we are. Indeed. Councillor Barker.
2: Thank you, Chair. I just wanted to add that we did have a, I think it's probably a long time ago. He's totally forgotten. So 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 sorry, Councillor, yes, a long time since it there. We, month we month did day. have a duty to cooperate with with uh, East Hearts Um, Epping and Harlow on Monday evening, and a couple of issues that were discussed there. One was the possibility of a memorandum of understanding around employment, because houses drive employment, employment drives houses, and just as we have come to an agreement about each uh, district providing its own housing, a similar theme is emerging around employment. Um, We also had quite a lot of discussion around the creation of a Harlow and Gilston board to oversee the delivery of that new town. Um, The initial terms of reference included Uckinsford as a member in that, but I have requested that is downgraded to observer status. I felt Epine, Forest, Harlow, and East Hart all have a a very pertinent role in that, but that any outsider might feel that Uckinsford actually voting on proposals for Harlow and new town and how it developed would be a bit strange. So observer status as a subset of the duty to cooperate.
4: Sorry, Chen, if I, if I can just add to that, if I may, very briefly. I think the, it's a very good point that Councillor Barker makes because e- even with an observer status, there will be lessons we can learn uh, for our potential garden communities from, from that in terms of governance uh, and, and, and taking the whole thing forward. So I think, that, I think that's a good move, Chen.
0: Did you wish to say anything about um, West of Braintree or Braintree meeting next week? Okay. To report that. Uh, the uh, next item is um, any other items that the chairman considers to be urgent. I think a quarter to ten we've probably done well for tonight. Um, the date of the next meeting is not for some time. So you uh, have the um, what happens next goes to cabinet on the 6th of July, uh, to council on the 11th of July. The council Uh, votes to put uh, these recommendations out to consultation within a period of at least two months uh, to go through that but in the meantime of course the evidence uh, filling in the detail, as Mr Payne explained that very much carries on and I absolutely encourage uh, anybody involved to keep talking because I think that is the best solution so I thank thank again officers for their comprehensive um, piece of work, I thank members of the planning policy working group uh, for a reading um, over 1,500 pages in the last two weeks, um, and I very much thank um, members uh, of the general public who have come and um, very clearly expressed their views, uh, but I think in a, in a positive and um, helpful manner, so, and I thank to those listeners. Good night. Thanks.
4: No,
5: a good. So to about that thing about I'm afraid, if to, uh, the adverse it comes really we'll you know,
9: to the that's going to be closed. You're saying especially in the application you know, then if they really <laughs> really would <laughs> no, just now. At the end. No, no, no,
13: no. 15 minutes into it? Oh, that's okay. not relying exclusively on <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> What are we going to do? Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, I'm not reassuring. I Things I don't know what I'm
2: talking about. That's yeah. Well,
22: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>